And here we are at another podcast. Figured I'd change up the words this time. Here I, we I are. I don't like it. Here we are. Like no, no, no podcast. No, I said at the. Oh, at another. I heard podcast. like no because you felt the need to shorten no, the word another no. that much. Don't change the words. Go back. Go back. Say yeah, welcome. I never thought. I never <laughs> you, thought you, you would change, want me to no, go back. No, 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 no. Tradition. No. Tradition. My, Tradition. My world is all out of, out of, out of, out of, out of order. I, Anatevka, I, I, Anatevka. I have to reboot. Give me a few moments. If I were a rich man, I'll just keep going through. Fiddler on the roof. If you don't stop me. I mean, I wouldn't say no. I actually like Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, all right. I mean, I do. I will do that. Do you really know all of Fiddler on the Roof that well? Trying to call my bluff? No. Are you trying to call? Are you? No. <laughs> just just curious if you actually know that much of it. A decent amount. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, any business this week, fellas? Business. Seriously. Tradition. We don't need a segue <laughs> for business. I'm just asking if there's anything coming up. I usually have shows I'm seeing or things I'm doing, but not this no. week. Um, wow, your life is now as eventful as ours now. Getting busy. Hey. Talk about your life, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Sleeping till <laughs> 2 in the afternoon, not showering, and then working on the website all day is really eventful. Oh, that was only three days this week. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get right to it then with my pick this week. So this week is my pick. Um, I picked the band OK Go, um, their album Hungry Ghosts. I had reviewed their last record um, while I stalled to figure out the name of it. Uh, oh, no. Of the Blue Color of the Sky. Oh, I thought their last record was Oh, No. No. There was one between Ono and this. Um, oh, okay. And I, I did a written review of that and interviewed their drummer, Dan. Um, that's on the site. We're going to probably link it to this post just so you can see that as well. Um, but that was the last album I had listened to by them because it's the last one they put out. They have four records. OK Go, which is self-titled. Oh No, which was 2005. Of the Blue Color of the Sky, which is 2010. And then the newest one came out this year. Interesting. Well, it should be said, because we always talk about genre just a little bit, um, we're kind of repeating ourselves in just a smidgen of a way, because of course this is a pretty broad category. Indie, here's that name again. We all know it, we've probably known it for the last 15 years. I would say that OK Ego is another indie band. Last week we had an album that I strained to place in indie because it was so metallurgic, it was so gritty. Uh, kind of dirty, but and that's not words that we necessarily associate with indie, but I still would argue that as far as the last 15 years is concerned, indie is more of a, fo a form than a sound. And we've had this discussion before, uh, especially when we were talking about alternative music back in episode 108, that was about, you know, form also, and whether alternative or indie really have to do with more form or sound. In general, we've just kind of used them to pigeonhole various sounds of the time if we can't place them into anything else. So I'd still argue that this is indie, at least as far as their first work was concerned that was out in the mid-2000s, it was indie in both form and sound. I think it was very presentable rock. I think at the same time it, uh, it tried to be accessible, it tried to be presentable, it tried to still sound like rock, but it also tried to you know, broach little bits of hipstery trends that were, I think, emerging around at the time. You can find this in their uh, in their visual work. For instance, uh, we were just talking about the the music video that they released, which is needless to say, it, it, they go for they go for visuals. They go for these dramatic effects. Well, let me interrupt lots you right and lots there. Of people. Let me interrupt you right there for a sec because something to, that's important to know about the history of OK Go is that they their first album Oh No tanked as far as major sales 
go. That's surprising. Um, it didn't really break through. It was very much very similar to a lot of the other sounds that were out at the time. Yeah. And so it didn't really get any headway. Their second album, Oh No, also fell into the same trap. And their record label was in danger of dropping them when they realized, well, we haven't made a music video yet for this album. Let's try something different. And so they, for Here, we, Here It Goes Again, they made a video that everyone remembers of them dancing on treadmills, um, which was very unique for the time because it was just a quirky idea. But what you're saying is this is their third album then? This no, was no. on their. This was on their second album. This was as of their second album. This that you're was discussing. their second. Yes. Okay. And so that that music video and that unique stylistic choreography saved their career because it went viral very quickly on YouTube, and they became this household name because of that. They ended up actually winning a Grammy for best music video that year. Well, it was as of that album that I discovered their first album too, and yeah. they kind of tied it all together. So yeah. I never would have known that the first album tanked. That's interesting. And so since that video, they've made a career of very much working very hard to create interesting visual music videos, not just uh, a performance video. They, they famously did a Rube Goldberg machine. They did an interesting sound test with an actual car. They've done all sorts of unique things. They've done dance videos. The new video uses far camera shots and choreography. So they're always trying to reinvent visually. Well, sure. Lots of bands all obviously try to use you know the showmanship factor to either supplement or make up for whatever they feel is lacking in their, in, in their music itself. And it, it's true considering those first two albums. It, 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 it's kind of a question of perspective. I saw it as the kind of thing that was that was drastically popular at the time, but maybe that's just because it was the sound of the time, just as you said, kind of, I guess, forgettable in the indie world. I mean, it's one of the pack. Not to say that it was necessarily bad, but it was one of the pack. That's always a little bit of detractor, as we talk about. Um, so I always kind of looked for a little bit more, I think, out of OK Go. But it did seem, as I noticed from the first to their second album, um, and onward and upward, that they seemed to be exploring the various things that they can do with that indie sound, even going so far as to trade out the sound of indie period and keep the accessibility, keep the, uh, the songwriting style, but play around with texture, you know, to their heart's content. Yeah, they toyed with that a bit in the last album, kind of going back and forth between the two. This album is much more an endeavor in trying something different as far as what they, they were doing. Well, here's the thing. I think it's more like if, if, if you were to visualize a spectrum, like ranging from the most avant-garde stuff that you can possibly imagine to hard candy pop, then I think indie, I guess, is closer to the pop side of things. So it's not as if they've given up that. As we said, we're, they're adding texture, but they're not really giving up that 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 pop accessibility. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's something I, I, this band never was not. They were always ha on the pop side. I mean, even right. And even the visualization, records. even the visuals are very important uh, to that end. Yeah. I would even say that they've gone further pop than their previous work with this album. Mm, their only early work was pretty pop, too, well, in, within only, the genre. Uh, only when within the realm of the heavy use of modern uh, synthesizer materials as the main focus as opposed to the more even split instrumentation they had in but, their previous albums. But that, see, I think they were, I mean, it's only because they were using a more traditional uh, band structure as of that time. But you're, what you're honing in on is the fact that everybody at the time loved to believe that pop and indie were these wildly different things, and I think it's only in hindsight that we come to believe that, that really both of it is pop. It's just they chose to be pop in their own way. Yeah. Pop equals accessibility. Pop equals that in mind. Um... I think we should use that as a as a point to start out with their first track here because I think this sort of upholds that that uh, that statement. 
that obviously if you're going for that in the beginning of your album then you want to reach listeners but again again what artist doesn't uh it's it's really just a question of of how different are you going to be and with upside down and inside out the first track from the album uh, it it doesn't sound too far off the beaten path when it comes to electronica music. I feel like they, they really did hit a pop-oriented stride with this song. I'm going to agree with that, too. I think as of this first track, they didn't go too far with that texture territory. I think they borrowed from a lot of, uh, you know, electro-pop, power-pop, uh, trance-pop, that kind of stuff. What you, what you encounter is the synth here. It's very full. It's very pervading and it's accented by this recurring soundbite this this additional synth that sort of flutters upward like a, like a spaceship taking off so you know it's 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 busy but it, it's it's not terribly uncommon it's the kind of thing that you do find in a lot of power pop and trance stuff things that's very dance floor oriented i was going to say i mean this this song is nothing else but a dancey pop song i mean that's that's all it is it it doesn't have much structure beyond that Maybe in the build of the song, structure writing-wise is more indie, but the, the, the song is a pop song. Well, there's more things to say than that, I would argue. I mean, looking at uh, their falsetto, for instance. They have a pretty nice falsetto, which I think is easy to overlook because it kind of just maybe... It, it has the risk of blending into the background with respect to their, um, to their sound effects, which they make avid use of. Then you figure, oh, well, there's vocals there. Well, there's vocals in every piece of music, and you're, it, you're inclined to overlook it. But I found it kind of interesting when they take that, uh, you know, upside down and inside out, and you can feel it, feel it, really high up, particularly well, on, those, on those lines, and it has this nice, nice, nice ring to it. I've always liked Damien's vocals. I think that he, but that's also because he falls in the category of the vocalist that I tend to gravitate towards the most. Your Rob Thomas's, your... Uh, Max from Eve Six, Max Collins, like these guys with a slightly scratchy voice. They have a nice falsetto. They have, but they have a pretty focused range of singing. Yeah, I yeah. by also, I mean, you know, just to take this with a grain of salt, I do think that uh, the vocalist, when you're looking at falsetto, it's the kind of thing that's a bit of, uh, it's almost a cheap shot. I've never heard any of us say, oh, I don't like that falsetto. Falsetto almost works in every single instance. We noted this in last week's album. We've noticed it probably in, in, in at least eight of the last ten albums. You know, whenever there's that instance, then it's just great. Well, it's a very pleasurable pitch in and of itself. It, it, it's easy to convey a lot of emotion with that type of uh, a vocal range. Right. Which it's means an easy it's... way to... to... Well, it, it just seems to be one of those frequencies that just seems pleasing to hear a human voice at that level. Speaking to the human ear, maybe it implies various things like, oh, you're opening up your emotions because falsetto is associated with the kind of thing that obviously male vocalists do because it takes us out of our, our, out of our natural range, as we're speaking in now, um, up to something that is a little bit unnatural. Clearly, you're tapping into your emotions in order to, in order to change your range so fundamentally. So... That's just a breakdown of falsetto for you. But within this, I do think you can judge. I do think you can say, eh, you know, some things are a little more pleasing than others. In this particular case, it's clear they're hiding behind a lot of, a lot of effect work. Behind a lot of, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it reverb in this, in this case. It almost control. sounds like... It's a lot of control in the voice. It's like flange attached to the, the vocal effect. It, it doesn't sound very raw. It's not very um, pure. But even that was true in the last album too you know that was attached to that that metallic sound um last week's album of course this case i think i would highlight this with respect to the texture i think it's more about the integration more than it is about um 
just the individual components. It's less, oh, hey, there's that falsetto, and it's less, ooh, look at that, you know, nice little sound effect. It's the way they sync up. For instance, that additional synth sound that I noted earlier, that, that flutter upward that sounded kind of like a spaceship, spaceship taking off, that occurs with that line, and you can feel it. And this is sort of a nice little recurrence here. It's, it's the staple thing that you go back to in this track that keeps it kind of memorable, and I, 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 I did find myself, um, for better or for worse, I found this song kind of stuck in my head. And I'm a little bit on the flip side of that. I'm, I've, I've, I've almost blocked out this this song to begin with because this does not entice me to really get into the album itself. Because I don't I'll feel like it's provide. It's doing a lot to to really create a fresh image here. Um, that rising fluttering noise. I'm going to say noise instead of soundbite because, honestly, upon repetition, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, another big issue I had with this was the, maybe not divorce, but the really separate nature between the verses and the choruses, just sound-wise and texturally. It, it, it goes into a, a really big slowdown, and it, I don't feel that fits well with what was going on. Well, okay, this is another thing you're honing on. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say I agree with you on, on that count. Even though it did get stuck in my head, you're 100% right. This is not alluring for this album. That That's, the, I think, the main fault about this particular track here. Um, now, on your second point, going into this slowdown, of course, is down to the verse. This is one of those tracks that starts out full force with the chorus. So everything we've been discussing right now is the, the, the chorus in general. Um, there's more synth layers that get layered in in this chorus. I mean, it gets, it's, it's really pretty loud up front. We're not talking about terribly complex uh, chord progressions here. It's just the 1 to the 6, up to the 4 to the 5. This is not dramatic stuff. Um, so if I'm interested in anything else in this chorus, it really is the synth. I mean, you hear all these various layers just stepping on one after the other. One steps in with this, like, 7, 6, 5, 3, 7, 6, 5, 3, over and over and over again down the major scale. And it's just so cheery. Another thing, this chorus, and yes, I'm still in the chorus here because I'm going to agree with you 100% when we get to the verse. It's going to be kind of a drag at that point. But still in the chorus here, we're in C major. That's as home as home gets. You couldn't get as happy as that. There's nothing wrong with that in of itself, but, you know, you take C major, plus three layers of synth, yes, three, plus the occasional falsetto, and it's like I'm being whitewashed with sound. Um, or, or like the confectioner is just having way too much fun with the icing. I think that this song is a strong start to the record as far as getting you psyched if you're into a pop sound and you get really hooked into the dance of it. As I said. I really liked it because it just kind of got me revved for the record. I'll admit that there was no innovation really in this track, but I'm not really looking for a ton of innovation with OK Go based on the, the, the body of their work because they innovate in moments and they innovate a lot in their videos, but in their music, it's just a thing that I kind of like to chew on and enjoy. Well, that said, I'm not done. The the beginning part of the song, <laughs> I think the, the, the white wall of the noise is because you're kind of getting lost in it a bit instead of just going with it. I found that once I kind of let myself go and followed where it was going and gave into the lyrics a bit as just kind of part of the music, not as much as the actual meaning of the song and what it was trying to convey, I kind of was able to enjoy it as this kind of dance song that it was. I'll admit there was not a lot of complexity to it, but I liked the layering. OK Go's always kind of been known for their layers. Even when they were playing instruments, it's how they mixed that really kind of made 
them really noticeable, especially on their last record, which also they started dabbling in a lot more sound work and sound effect work. I think that the sounds are not nearly as jarring as John says. To me personally, I think that overall it makes a nice dance track, though they could have done something way more innovative. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was all this back and forth regarding this track, of course. I, I, I'm still sort of all talking about the chorus. The funny thing is the chorus is the part that does this. It's really the verse that is the, the challenge. As much as I can say, all right, the chorus is hard candy. Remember, I gave, I started this with the premise that it is catchy and still got stuck in my head in the end. So me and John are opposing in that regard. Um, I'm sort of in the middle on it. It really is the verse in which I agree with him wholeheartedly. That's where they countered this, this, you know, brash sound effect. Still, brash equals bold. It can, it can have positive connotations. They countered it with a verse which is pretty much forgettable. I, I can't even recall it if, if I tried here. It's, it's, it was a pretty much a slow 80s jam, an 80s pop jam. It's another set of four, four chord progression here, one, six. Eh, it had some interesting things, like it went to a, a first inversion two and then up to a four, and then the second time around with that, it changes just to sort of bring you back into the chorus by going to a, a minor four chord instead. But th this in itself, is, is just from a chordal perspective. Everything else was just far, far too thin by contrast here. You could say that that kind of soothes you out on the way back up, but, you know, if it's not memorable, then, then what is it really doing in the long term? And there... Okay, all the, the, the dislike I had for this, there was a little moment that me and Steve both... Transitions? Yes. The transitions? Especially the one transition where they go into a, a bridge work of don't stop. And the mixing on that was phenomenal. That, that single line did so much for me. Because what it goes into afterwards, I feel like it did a great job of setting it up and actually making me enjoy the bridge a lot more than I thought I would. I think I know the part that you're talking about, and it was, it was sort of a stutter that because the, they do a lot of heavy heavy editing work in addition to all of their layering heavy layering heavy editing it's it's clear that they've they've developed much more electronic sound than anything okay go had ever really been before because when you're you know when you're raw indie then you're normally just a rock band using the rock band components and dabbling in synth work this is all over the place and the editing the editing is heavy handed so this particular transition is sort of a if you were to break down like the the sixteenth notes into their 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 four little bits, then you get this one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, four, one, three, four, one. It's this, like, stutter, and it's all just broken apart with that, that single line that, 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 you know, I believe it's that don't stop, don't stop. Uh, I, I could be mistaken, but I think that's the one, and it's, it's, it's an interesting transition. I just, I found it to be, you know, here's a thing amidst all this other stuff. What I'm amounting here is I just, I'm not really capturing the full breadth of their sound quite yet in the beginning. It's, it's, it's interesting, but that's about it. Yeah, this, this song, I mean, as far as a preview for the rest of the record, kind of leaves you wanting, but not sure why you're wanting. Yeah, let's just talk about the outro as we go into the second uh, track here, only because the outro does take a little bit of a breather. It, 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 it kind of takes those vocals which had previously been falsetto at times, more in their normal range at others, and then suddenly it, it sort of weakens the vocals. They get really, really soft and a little bit defeated. It's, it's really just a, a reiteration of, of the title, the whole upside down and inside out and you can feel it, but it, it doesn't have that, that power as it did before. It's just a little bit sadder. This in itself was a little bit enticing. 
maybe that sounds, you know, maybe that speaks to a personality t uh, type to say that the sad thing would lure you in. But you know what? I don't like hard candy. <laughs> I hate hard candy. So this, this was... This was, um, this was the taste of something, something different, something I could sink my teeth into. A little bitter. Yes. Well, just a little bitter. Just, just a little. Because then we go into the writings on the wall, which... I'm going to... The, the segue is kind of a half segue, because it's... It, it maintains the slow... The slowness of that, or, or the softness of that, that final outro here and goes into more of a ballad tone, but it uses a different, a different standard of electronica, a different, a different style in order to, in order to, to, to breathe this, this softly. And frankly, I just could only think of one thing, 80s pop. Oh, that's all it was. It was an 80s pop dance song, and it, it sounded like that pretty much from the get. Um, it was very familiar, st stuff that we've heard before. As far as the vein of 80s pop goes. Not just in terms of 80s pop, but in terms of the, of various bands trying to dip back into 80s pop, which there seems to be no shortage of lately. I'm, I was actually kind of struck when I heard this track at that this this strange renaissance that, that seems to be occurring with everybody wanting to go back to this era um, as if it was the pinnacle of pop. And I, I have cited good things for it in the past, but I think the nostalgia is wearing me out a little bit. If you want to go back, just listen to those old albums. Make something new. Because in this particular case, uh, it, it was like an obsession. They drew upon a particular soundbite, and it was the bass synth, I believe, that had this really robotic sound to it. The kind that was just all over, all over music, all over soundtracks, just about everywhere in the 80s. It's the kind of sound that really lacks dynamics, because it's a... It's a robotic sound that just peaks really, really soon. It doesn't have this loud, soft nature to it. It's just the same every single time. Very short, very staccato, but very the same. And because of its just use across music at this point, it, it last, lacks dis uh, distinction. Yeah, and as, it's a as, shame. As an identifying piece of the track, because it's such a prevalent bass line. It is. And it's throughout the whole song, I... It, it, it means I'm not going anywhere here. It's a shame because of what you said, though, because it, the fact of the matter is, it is a distinctive sound just in its conception. Yeah, but, but it's We are 30 years after, after its thing, conception, yeah. exactly. Um, I, but this isn't just the beat. The transitions feel a little bit tired between the verses and choruses. Well, even the rhythm. Or the verse-chorus hook. The, 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 it's a two-part chorus that could be... Uh, a chorus hook because there is a sonic shift between the two. Um, it sort of comes around with those fireworks. Oh, yeah. Well, I, let's let's just get right before that because the chorus is sort of an interesting little little twist. Although I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but just the overall beat of this song is another thing I gotta kind of call back to that 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 eighties uh, an eighties style. I can't exactly place it, but something about it, especially when you take the robotic sound and what it's doing, it's just this. It's just this riff over and over and over again. I can't, I, I can't really c c convey it. I won't even try to right now. But again, you've probably heard it before. So, all right. Then we'll take the transition. The transition, what leads us to the chorus, takes this riff that actually has an interesting rhythm, however you take it, and then it just decides to feed it through eighth notes. All of a sudden, everything's a lot more even now. And then we yield to the chorus, which is just whitewashed with that fireworks sound, kind of a fireworks whistle. As... Uh, part B of the chorus. Yeah, part, part B. Yeah, you're B right. It's more of the, it's more of the second phrase. You're right. And you just hear pew, pew, pew all over the place. 
Which speaks one to the texture work that OKGO OK does, and I did enjoy the texture of it. I did enjoy the idea of what they were doing with these fireworks. Um, because frankly, it's a little bit, it's a very distinct aspect of noise. Just the overall sound that fireworks themselves do. And it, I don't feel like it's being misused or anything like that. These are complaints we've had with a lot of other sound bites. I just think that if you're going to do fireworks, do something that warrants it. Because of the emotional connotation with this sort of a, a sound, I, I feel like they're not living up to it. No, I, I agree. I think as far as, you know, it was one of those things. Chorus should be this big reveal. Fireworks imply a big reveal. Frankly, I didn't feel it, regardless of both these things. It just, I don't know. Maybe it was the familiarity of, of the of, of, of the, the verse itself, of the, of the pervading sound here, but there really was no big reveal for me in, the, in this chorus. I don't think the fireworks were really warranted. I agree. Um, which takes me to the hook in which I felt the same thing. Because there, there's a little interesting, um, interesting thing here. There's a combination between a, a chorus and a hook. The chorus is really the writings on the wall, it seems like forever. Since we had a good day, the writings on the wall. And then the hook follows. Something that's... A, more of a uh, a returning focus, perhaps. In in many cases, it it probably even takes precedence over the chorus. Although the chorus is highlighted, I guess, because of the fireworks sounds. Still, the lyrics here for the hook are, "But I just want to get you high tonight. I just want to see some pleasure in your eyes, some pleasure in your eyes. And I go too high, and you go too cold. We both fall apart, and you bring your mind to rest against mine. But the mind has no say on affairs of the heart." This is sweet lyrics. My problem within this is that the hook just has no variety for something that should have perhaps more impact than the rest of the song. It, it's 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 even more listless. In this case, less just because I associate it with being too familiar, but just because it's listless within the context of this track. It also feels like it like this song wouldn't be out of place at a high school dance, like especially an eighties high school dance. Um, I Which is like what we the, all associate when we think of high school dance now. I, I like I like the drum work on the record, but I mean, again, it wasn't even manual drum work. It mostly sounded like drum work, compu computerized drum work, beat work, um, which is a shame because their drummer is very capable and done drum work like this physically. But it doesn't. It, I mean, maybe it was, and then they remixed it or mixed it or whatever. But um, it has this almost like towards the end of the song, this kind of end credits kind of feel like it in a cheesy eighties movie. That's why I think I got that high school dance kind of vibe too. Cause those things usually happen. There was that part where that, um, bass oriented strum line mm -hmm. does get a little bit dissident. It, it's sort of, uh, it's an interesting beat. And I think that actually does speak a little bit to what you just said, uh, Matt, that it, it, it's got a sort of an ending kind of a feel cause it's, falling apart a little but even that little here's a thing is all it was it's it it doesn't go anywhere they they did something that was ooh, and it was 13 seconds like it wasn't even a full 15 it wasn't even a quarter of a minute it it i mean yeah it's 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 odd i, I really can't it's the kind of thing yeah it, it takes a dissonant tone just to sort of like you know, pass by these slightly little off notes just as it's making its way through this C section, which is different just to be different, but it's not really doing much for the song, which otherwise had been so steady. So, again, it's kind of a context problem here. This doesn't seem like the kind of song that, uh, uh, the kind of section that would really cater well to that, that high school dance that 
the rest of the song otherwise promoted. So, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it was my favorite section. It was the most interesting part to me, but contextually it doesn't make sense. The rest of the song does really support that kind of high school dance feel, and I feel like the lyrics do too. It's clearly a very kind of innocent young love sounding song lyrically, um, but it doesn't really uh, convey much more than that. I don't know that there was intent to convey much more than that, but either way, at its core, it's an 80s style pop song that's about young love that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, and beyond that, the message is literally, I want to get you high tonight, even if it's the last thing we do, which of course is like... I mean, I, this is a lyrical nitpick here, but that's like the oldest metaphor as far as uh, well, youth, youth, youth culture is concerned in, in mixing, mix-matching drug culture with... Uh, I don't with, know if with, it's highs and drugs. I'm pretty no, sure it's No, as I said, mix-matching drug, the drug metaphor in what has associated, oh, get you high, with something a little bit more romantic uh, or perhaps even orgasmic. Who knows? Gotcha. But again, that's just been there, done that. On, on all counts, it seems, with this song, except for the interesting bridge solo section. Uh, but this sort of idea of a lot of the same, he gets a little bit of a step in the right direction with another set of issues. Track three, this isn't the same. This is something completely different. From the initial just beats, you have a lot, a lot of depth in the tone, not just in the actual register, but in how they're being expanded upon. Oh, this is quite crude of me, but I would liken this sound, because it's the best way I can, can, can convey this in words, but it sounds like a remixed fart sound. That's, that's, that's how I would describe it, although that Im, Im, implies that it's going to be far cheesier than it actually that's is. That's that really this odd is reverb. That is the really odd reverb they seem to be oh, I wouldn't say it has much of any reverb There's on no it reverb. at all. No, it's, a low tone, on it's the low tone mixed with a bass and bells that come in shortly after gives this interesting trudge that gets the song going right out of yeah, the Yeah, with day. reverb there would be space here. Instead, everything is very muffled and close. Um, this is... This was a synth effect that, frankly, it was rather rather new to me. It was, as I said, very very deep. You get this, this, this deep bellow, which... I associate it with a fart sound, but hey, whatever. Um, along with that, you get this kind of popping beatbox effect to sort of complement it. So that even even you know takes away less reverb because everything is is very is very um, close and yeah sharp and, and poppy. But then along with that, you get some other little exploration texture. The the ch chimes start to step in to help it out a bit. Not really, chimes, not chimes. They were full bells. church bells. Oh yeah, full on bells. Actually, that, the, the, you're right. The cadence was definitely not just a little bit. It was something deep and big. There was there was something more bellowing about it. You're right, lower register. But then uh, rhythm is really the thing I want to talk about on this particular track because this was a rather unique beast, somewhere between triple meter and duple meter. Uh, as far as the verses are concerned, probably most people would feel this in a very slow, meandering swing four four feel. Um, the bass synth certainly seems to have a bit of a swing to it, which implies, of course, that you'd trade out that, you know, one and, two and, three and, four and that you get with eighth notes for the first and third triplets, one, three, one, three, one, three, one. So you get this kind of effect that keeps it moving along in a very steady rate, but then the choruses sort of take you a wildly different direction, because here there's just triplets all over the place. It is... Every, spicy. It it's is spicy. That's a, that's, that's the, the best only way, other way I could put it. Uh, it I interpret it as, as sort of a six sixteen breakdown. Everything is this rapid, you know, one two three four five six, one two three four six, one two three four five six. Maybe a slightly bit slower than that, but it's it's not a, much. It's no, joined not in by much. I remember you actually <laughs> trying to go along with it. It's it's 
it takes the familiar, um, which was a little bit different to begin with, and really does a lot to, to add a lot of texture to it. And the funny without thing, really affecting the melody uh, as a whole, and without, without affecting, affecting the, the core, with the core rhythm of that four four too, because of course you have really four cycles of this of this six sixteen. So in many ways, if you want to keep counting it in four, you can keep counting it in four. It's not like most people are really going to step out of their shoes in order to do that crazy six sixteen thing here. But it, it's apparent. You'd, you know, you'd have to be asleep not to notice that everything is so much busier. Along with this, this course, you have um, the, this sort of grinding machine effect that kind of joins in, and, and it serves as a comping instrument uh, for, for, for the melody. And then along with that, there's this dainty little bubbling synth that, that flutters along, and it's in triplets too. It's the thing that's really following very closely with this 616. And it just seems that there are so many triplets all over the place that, you know, I just... <laughs> how many... How many triplets do you want in rock music before you just break down and say, it, it, you know, this is probably a triple meter here? Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting, all things considered. Uh, it continues in the breakdown as well. The breakdown, you get more of a, more of a buzzing, and this would be like the half-time triplet. Or at least, if you were still in 616, then this would be like the eighths as opposed to the sixteenths. But then if you were via 4-4, then these would be, these would be, straight-up triplets as opposed to the underlying flutter of sextuplets, if we were to count that, which I choose not to. But either way, it's that six feel that I think governs this track. And when you add all of these, th th this combination of perceptions of rhythm, which I find particularly fascinating, I was grooving along with this 100%. It was the most interesting thing yet on the album for me. Plus, it was full of some pretty deep content. Yeah, the vocals actually were, were really great for this song because... It, it, they shine in the sense that within that layering, they have this kind of hollow dissonance and this effect. I think if there was any reverb to be heard anywhere in this song, it was on That's the That's the reverb I was trying to get to and, earlier. And yeah. it really added an emotionality to the song that gave it this kind of, op not openness, but this kind of airiness to the vocals at least. The vocals, I mean, it wasn't as if his falsetto is that drastically different. It's, it's may not be 100% falsetto as well. Um... Because it was almost like he was so far away from the mic that he was not quite yelling, but getting there. He was using an outside voice. And he's also like, the, the, the chorus is very repetitive, but not in a bad way. It's a very reiterative chorus. You know, it refers to the title, uh, the title of the track. Now I know you've got this whole other set of issues here, but I can't let you leave that way, but I can't let you, but I can't let you, but I can't let you leave that way. It's this reinforcement of, you know, this, the, this kind of, overwhelming charging negativity but but not letting that be it that's not the end this isn't the end of the story and this was another case where while content wise not throwing a lot of different things it's more of the inflection of what he's saying because that was only a snippet of the chorus the chorus was actually the bulk of this song um, there wasn't so much in the verses just to interject that's one of the reasons why I keep harping back on this like 616 thing because when the choruses are your bulk then you know the time that it retreats back to a more safe kind of 4-4 four, four swing feel in the verses kind of paled by comparison because that's not the bulk of the song. But After a while, it's like the rest of it is just a jam out in this final chorus sort of. Uh, that was, but that was okay for me. No, I was sure. I was grooving Absolutely. with that. I kind of wanted the breaks in between because you get these, like you said, so many triplets that you might as well be calling it, what kind of a meter did you say it was? <laughs> 616. Well... I mean, it's it's ridiculous at that point. It's really, it's, really. It, I've it's never kind heard of, of something like that before. Period. No, I've brought it up before. It's just not six sixteen. 
not that big. That's that's a that's a, a complicated piece. And the Just piece itself, it's fast triple. That's all. Fast triple meter. His voice doesn't change as he's doing this. It's he's not trying to keep up with the music. Well, that combination is phenomenal for actually imparting without really having to say much. But but also not needing to keep up with it, as Steve pointed out before, he is keeping up with it because technically that over overarching beat is still four four. And yeah, it's and these that's triplets why that are within it. It's that and illusion. That's what the vo- but that's what the voice is keeping up with, giving the illusion that he's not trying to keep up with the beat when he actually is, but only the overarching. Many because triple meter things often often devolve back to these cycles of four anyway, because it's what people often go back to in music. It's something that's very easy to latch themselves onto, and let's face it, again, this is okay, go. I, they're, they're seeking accessibility. Frankly, I like that they're playing so much around within this framework. Yeah, and yeah... If, if there's one thing that it holds back on, no, yeah, I agree. It's there's, just, there's not a, it, it's, it's what has been something that everybody's gone to them for. This is the, th- I mean, it comes down to, there are a lot of tracks that we, that we stumble across where it's just like, oh, we have so many different things to talk about. Frankly, in this particular case, it's not so much the, the lyrics or the reinforcement. I'm not that into these lyrics, and there's another thing that I'm not really that into, and that's the chords aren't really that interesting. Frankly, it uses the, the, the rhythmic complexity as a front to sort of avoid doing very much chordally at all. It kind of just meanders around D minor because it treats it almost like a jam. But that's fine by me. Again, they offer me one thing and they offer it full force. And it, it allows that structure to kind of flourish. So even though chordally it's not saying much, it doesn't really have to. Yeah. And even though it could, it's, it, the fact that it's not doesn't really hurt it either. Mm-hmm. Um, from here we go to track four, Turn Up the Radio, um, which, I mean, on a whole, is one of those songs that's just more or less a full-fledged celebration of music, at least in theme. Um, the lyrics aren't saying super a lot, but they don't really have to. It's, it's essentially a very anthemic jam song about, you know, kind of turning on the radio, enjoying what's on the radio, and getting down with the music. Yeah, um, speaking of jams, I mean, I mentioned that the last was the jam. Well, at least it had kind of a rhythmic thing to it. This is really just a giant jam in, in, in C major, in a sense. I mean, it meanders around a little bit, but the, it, it's very regular. The verses, rhythmically, they really retreated. The verses are all just these eighth notes, kind of just alternating between two notes at a time, always. And... Uh, it goes, then, it goes back to, though, a, dan- a dancier sound, but the verses have more of a hip-hop beat. They're kind of, you know, a lot. it's a little bit plainer, but it's like that rhythm is kind of something you would find in more of a hip-hop or a rap song. Yeah, but that takes us to the choruses, which, I don't know, I, the chorus is the kind of thing that I think, at this point, because now we're, this is sort of a, a nod to the, uh, the beginning of the album, I think, it sort of relied on this, this, this white noise effect that, that seemed to to sort of sit atop everything else, and it served to taper off the peaks of these synths and made everything very, a little, a little messy to me. Um, just in the overall effect of it, it, it wasn't, this is not something I would refer to as a clean song. Yeah, but I don't know, the white noise didn't really do that much to me. I didn't even hear the white noise as prominently as both of you did. I thought I was able, I was able to pick apart the choruses fairly well, and also the anthemic vocals are kind of what I latched on to because, you know, I mean, it's a very repetitive course otherwise. It has little to do with um, the, the quality of lyrics because they're not really hearing this song, but it's the way they're saying that is what I latched on to at least. And for me, though, this song had a real big turn for me. I, I, right away, almost immediately, the repetition just, just got to me. This is, this is uh, beat work and tonal work that I'm just... I'm overly familiar with. It's something that I, I, I've experienced ad nauseum 
I want to say since since the early '90s. When I said, tr I think this is the time to use the word trance. I think this is trance yeah. pop right here. Even if the first two tracks I was using the word in sort of a distant sense, like they borrowed from it here and there, still it was really more of a power pop or with the OK Go spin. This thing is just kind of all out with 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 the trance. It's it's a fist pumping kind of track. I mean, even the whole turn up the radio, you know, you know, please don't stop the music, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. It's 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 not a bad message. It's it's great message in terms of just yeah rock out rock on but you know it, it's i don't think it's really i don't think it's really making me feel it as much especially considering a whole genre was built around this concept be original within the field well it's almost like they're sampling from a lot of different styles of music of uh, trance music or electronica music because the individual uh, mixing lines the individual layers they're putting along here don't aren't aren't meshing up for me they're very familiar, but I've never really heard them put together in this way, and that is not to its benefit. It, it, it doesn't come across as, like, wall of sound is a word we like to use. No, it's not a wall of sound. It's just a collage, though. They're picking and choosing these different ideas they may have had or heard something about, and they're stuffing them together. They're trying to make a picture out of something that I just don't see it working right. Well, this particularly occurs uh, later in the breakdown, which it starts off just as sort of a repeat of the chorus framework over which you get a guitar solo that is pretty See, awkward to me. I don't know. It came across as, what would you say again? Uh, it was an odd duck. It was an odd duck. There was no other way I could put it. I have to go back old school to the way my, my, my mother would say it. It's an odd duck. Yeah. And then beyond that, you have these sort of, again, kind of this use of triplets, which again, well, just going back to the word triplets here doesn't really mean much because this song wasn't really built around it. It was very steady up to this point. And then all of a sudden, again, there's that, here's the thing, let's make it a little bit more interesting for the sake of making it a little bit more interesting. It doesn't really work in context, but the, the solo, it makes use of a a lot of passing tones just again to add some dissonance but it just comes across as awkwardness and then on the way on, on exiting this breakdown it just yields to this odd bit of silence that whole like you know rest for not even just a beat but maybe even two beats which is a kind of a long time when you're talking about silence and music just to go back to the chorus as I recall eh, that's that's not quite doing it for me if you're gonna you know make me bait my breath but I think that all this this noise that they're putting in there does a good job on contrasting with the verses. I, d I don't hate on them as much as as you seem to, Steve. I, I think that the light touch that they put into it allows the, 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 the verses to have more meaning, to have a little bit more depth than you would have gotten if the music married a lot better. Hmm. I think that the choruses aren't as cluttered as both of you seem to think. I do agree, though, that the solo was kind of out of place as a solo. That's why I don't really believe that it was a solo. I think it was more or less serving the purpose of here's a thing, here's a sound bite that happens to be a guitar solo that we futzed with. And if that removes you from the song, then that's, that's understandable. I, however, wasn't that knocked off by it. The rest, however, I felt allowed me to get back into what the song was doing beforehand. For better or worse, that extra beat of rest when you jump back into the chorus, pumped you back into it almost as if you don't remember that part before. For better or worse, I think it was a decent transition to escape this odd duck that they had left you with. Well, let me just clarify on like the first thing you said in that in that whole phrase there. This is I didn't ever said this was cluttered necessarily. I said that was it was me. a little no, bit. No, 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 he was okay. That was me. All right, I I said it was perhaps it comes across as sounding a little bit messy as as of the 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 
sort of white noise effect that they have going with every single note in the synth here, but not cluttered in terms of synth. No, I think the problem is just that it's it, it, it's familiar. It's 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 familiar trance. It's not really what I'm looking for in OK Go. I mean, I, I admire the fact that they tried something different. It didn't work perfectly, but for me, the anthemic um, message throughout the song was what really hooked me. I, I get that it's not a perfect song, but I personally taste-wise was able to forgive it because I kind of got into it. Yeah, this is like a, a mesh of, of, of trance and our, our much maligned uh, anthemic pop yeah. to me. But I, and I, I, if you're going to talk about tracks in which they, they pull off this, this sort of new sound for there is better than I think it was maybe even the first track. But uh, let's go into something just a little bit different. Obsession. So this song is actually um, the deepest that Damien sings on the track. He has this kind of deep tone that starts fairly quickly in the song. It's kind of got a sultry sound, almost sexual in construction. Um, and it's definitely moving in a, at a different pace than any of the other tracks that came before it had. This was, much like I believe the third track, this was one of my more, one of the most interesting pieces of texture on the album. Uh, I think, actually, just to go with what you said, there was something about this track that I almost likened to a bit of industrial. Because, again, we sort of get a, simula a similar approach, even though... Um, even though it comes across wildly different than track three, it comes—it's it's sort of a similar approach in terms of going for uh, a more a more a bassier sound and trying to make it really clean and close. But this is this is very different in as far as the rest of it is concerned. It's really more exploring a uh, this like factory sound. You hear this crashing and and smashing, like hydraulic retracting. It's 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 like a lifelike machine. It's it's breathing. It even uh, and this is this is never a bad thing for me. It reminded me of the of the Fifth Element soundtrack, which was highly futuristic for that reason. And something that you've touted a few times. Several if I'm times. not mistaken. Well, uh, I, I, I consider it the height of anything industrial that had the visual edge. But also what I really like about this song is that lyrically, it's it's singing obviously about obsession. And, and, oh, and, it lives up to its name. Yeah. It's, uh, one of my favorite parts of the entire album is actually the second verse. And it's physical. It's like standing at the edge. Your blood starts to pump because you're worried you might jump. I love that, of, of equating obsession with standing at the edge and being almost compelled to jump off that edge. It's not only doing that. The in industrial sound and the fact that it sounds like machinery, it sounds robotic, is almost comparing a blind obsession to a mindless robot. This idea of just mindlessly moving forward with an obsession because it's just what you're going to do. It's just what you're compelled to do. And I think the music conveys that very strongly as well. It's really appropriate. It's, um, I mean, <laughs> there's even something a little bit sinister about this. And I find this in the chord progression. There's sort of a, you know, it's a four chord motion here. It's an A minor, but there's something in this where it goes from the one to the sharp seven. Really an odd choice for the, your second chord here. Immediately just going down that half step and then up to the three and then up to the four. And it's kind of like returning as if it's positive, but then it kind of devolves as it goes through this cycle. One down to the sharp seven, up to the three, four, return, one down to the sharp seven again. It's this 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 very sinister cycle, extremely especially when it falls on that sharp seven, it's extremely hypnotic. Um especially taking doing everything else account that 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 breathing motion that I noted. Um another thing here, uh the chorus. 
there's a thrash on this that occurs on the first and second beat that really adds a punch to this and along with that you get these little guitar accents. So this is something, probably the first track so far where I haven't really felt a, a major disconnect or necessarily a disappointment. Everything kind of seemed in line here. Well, that's because I, I feel like this track is the first time that we're, that, that we're seeing a build as opposed to a pre-built nature in the verse and chorus and the transitions between the two. Mm. Instead of jumping directly in or with a five-second introduction, we're actually getting some time to explore the different layers that they're introducing. That's one of my... That, that I love. I want to be able to... Uh, accept a guitar line before I get a high chime line before I get a heavy duty cymbal I don't know I want to be able to actually breathe them in a little bit more and this track does that for me and the same thing applies to the uh, the, the C section or this sort of um, this sort of interlude where it gets very spacey it's the first time where I find that this uh, that a third section is kind of born out of the uh, the the the, the mentality, the, the, the overall effect of, of the rest of the track here. It's like this spacey, daft, punky section that starts getting kind of eerie and then all of a sudden just breaks back away into the chorus, which is a, kind of a nice recapitulation, even though it was still borrowing from that, like, 16th note rapid fist-pumping return. But even so, it, it felt natural here because it maintained the robotic effect the whole sound, the whole song had, had, uh, had mastered. It really all kind of comes together in this song with that. That theme is very strong in the lyrics, in the music, and in how he's singing it. This kind of deep, very almost monotone sound as he's singing. It gave that kind of rush of harshness to that compelled, that person who would be compelled to do something almost mindlessly would speak in the tone that way, very level, very even. Yeah. They, captured, also... they captured obsession very, very accurately, in my opinion. I agree, and that's another thing. As far as um, as far as song structure is concerned, this is really the the, the proof that you can be uh, and uh, you can use the rule. The rule being this the, the the standard pop framework that they've used both in indie and in their power pop style. It works here because you can use that to convey feelings. It doesn't always have to sound barren. It doesn't have to sound uh, short sighted or or. Or, or lackluster with respect to everything else that is out there, you know, standard return to the chorus, or or, or obligatory bridge. It, it's it a can cliche. convey okay, things. It's a cliche it really for a reason. It. it is a cliche, but it is a cliche for a reason, because it works in many instances. Yeah, yeah, it's really just all about everything else at that point, and what you're doing with it. So, on that note, we go to something rather different again, because they're kind of playing around with, they're toying around with my emotions here as to whether we're going to sort of get, go down a, a, a dark and, and untraveled road, or whether we're going to just get up and dance. And this, this, uh, this next track, number six, I'm Not Through, definitely goes in the ladder. It um, starts with this kind of very disco-influenced bass, but also kind of has a framework and a structure that wouldn't be far into an R&B song of the late 90s. Um, that also paired with this kind of 8-bit sound bite they're using that's a transition tool in this song, which I personally liked. Um, I personally thought it was interesting. Um, I, I liked it also, but it, it didn't necessarily add to the song. It didn't take away from it. It's just a thing they used. Um, it's, again, in the vein of here, look at a thing. But I did enjoy that 
it kind of was used for a transitionary tool so they can move from one part to the next. It, it also that baseline that I spoke of earlier was shy of feel, making the song feel sexual because it leaned more towards disco and less R&B. It kind of teetered towards it and then stepped away from it. Well, this song played with my my emotions in a very specific respect because it walks the line uh, between disco and funk in a, in a certain way. Not that that line is is very fine at all because well, actually no, it is very fine because of the fact that that disco is really just the dancey version of funk. Not to say that you can't dance to funk either, but disco is kind of a pigeonholed version of that. Whereas I think. Uh, uh, the style funk is a lot more broad. In that respect, I think this song had a lot more potential than its core rhythm, which is quite simply bump, 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 that over and over and over again. That kind of just drives this track. Uh, it's it's so 70s. Again, just as the other things took me back to the 80s, this takes me back to the 70s in almost every single... Uh, in, in every in every soundbite they use, I mean, even the violin breakdowns, the strings that enter in here, those breakdowns, don't get me wrong, absolutely beautiful. This is one of the ways in which it plays with my emotions because I've heard this brought in on funk as well. You can do marvelous things. I, I personally think that the a funk bass line combined with strings is one of the best and most underused combos, except as far as 70s music is concerned, but mostly we forget about it. But then every single time we go back to it, it usually falls in the trap of sounding like it's three decades old, which it is. I believe you can do more with it than that. So I was just straight down the middle with this track. I'm not going to lie, I found myself grooving along, but there are times where I'm just like, go further. Please go further with this. Otherwise, you're going to be... it's going to be tacky. And I found it to be a little bit tacky. Actually, <laughs> honestly, that line, that line, uh, the bass, the little bit of guitar that they threw in there, and really the clapping, the percussion, the lower, less prevalent percussion, were what kept the, the, the song as a through line. I find that to be really the main connecting factor in the entire song. For the rest of it, I, 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 right up front, I think it's a mess. I think it's just stuff thrown together. I really dislike this song. Me and Storm are on very opposite sides for this. Because you don't just have that, that 8-bit piece. You have the, the that little bit of triangle work. You've got those little shakers that get thrown in from time to time. you got that little violin work that really doesn't go anywhere. It's a very standard repetition. No, got, I actually rather liked it. I just I but, I wanted but, more of it. I actually liked see, it for okay, its duration. Okay, there, right there. All right. That wanting more, everything is just thrown on top of that core bass beat. There's no rhyme or reason. That's why each of these individual sound bites, and there's a lot of them, are used without contrasting with one another, without being present with one another. That was that's that's. I want to say the quote proof, but it's it, it it's a shame that they have all these great ideas that they try to fit into this one song because I don't feel like it actually goes anywhere. I feel like they're just pressing buttons while the beat's going on, and it's freaking it it, it just bores the heck out of me. In some ways, this is a little bit akin to uh, the issue that we had against uh, Spoon's album. Um, uh, this. 
just completely went away from me for a second. Oh, he forgot one? He forgot one. He forgot the title. <laughs> it wasn't a terribly rememberable. Anyway, it was episode 108. Um, they Want My Soul. That's the name of the album. And this is this was one of those cases where I found that they were really making use of a lot of sound bites, but I'm not I'm not quite ready to go in the same direction as as this track here. I think I think that OK Go is doing a much better job by contrast. Um, we really had an indout, an indictment in that particular album, and and it. I would say this is uncomparable to to Spoon in the fact of the dissonance that we and issues we had with Spoon. Yeah. This song, I think, has a great structure in the sense that they are dabbling with a lot of sound bites and throwing a lot at the track, but I feel like that standard disco bass line is what holds it together. It doesn't feel like clutter. It doesn't feel like a mess because of that bass through line. Well, then I'm going to pose really... another theory, just only to, to, to see how it might break apart again. I think it has something to do with the chorus being so so anticlimactic. It's a very light chorus. It just sort of repeats the title of the song. I'm not through, and it drags out that final word, through, and it holds that along, and there's really not much else there. There's no really big reveal. So even if you were feeling a little bit funky, a little bit groovy, well, suddenly in the chorus, the, the otherwise epitome of the song here, now we kind of just reduced it to a sway. And I don't know. Something about this is just, it continues to to toy around with me. It gives me something really groovy, something really awesome, then it pulls it back and it doesn't really go toward that again. The overall tone is nice. We're actually dealing with some pretty interesting things here. It just kind of does a little bit of parallel motion. We're going from D-Mixolydian, it seems to dip over into D-Dorian a little bit, and this is this is utilized for the sake of these, uh, of, of uh, the two different um, components of this track, where sometimes it feels to be a little bit more of a sway, a little bit more of a, a saunter, and then other times it's very, very groovy. I just, I can't find the, I can't find the peak. I don't know which is which. There's not supposed to be a peak. See, the thing about this song and its structure is it's it's lyrically coming from a place of where someone wants to leave, whether there's a problem or whether, you know, it's, it's mutual, but the, it's coming from a place of where someone's trying to get up and leave and he doesn't want them to go. And so... The, the 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 I'm not through choruses are that airy gap. This person gone. They're leaving as they're walking away. He can barely get out the words he's so distraught. I'm not through. And it takes this dip that gives it this feathery air that I think actually really holds the song together. I don't think it's a gap. But then then why do we have that screeching guitar solo that not only do I think has no relevance to the song itself, I think it's poor in and of itself. I find it to be just... There was un- no screeching gu- guitar solo on this. That was in track four. This was just a standard guitar solo. It was not No, screeching. no, no. It was a street, screech, discorded guitar solo that, that, that just destroys that idea of what you were just saying. It's completely separate. It's high energy. It's high register. It has no place on this song. I actually disagree because the way I feel that it fits is... If it's in a moment of calm before the storm, he's 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 distraught, and then that screech is the idea of this this sudden burst of rage before the fall. But they don't do anything with that rage. I think you're reaching on this. I I'm I, I gotta call that one out because if you're doing one thing with the song of trying to maintain the status quo, if you're gonna have a culminating angry effect, great. You don't even have to make it within context. But they go straight back into the safe sound right afterwards they don't go anywhere with it they have this culmination that eventually that that means nothing because it doesn't lead or expand upon itself it it's it's just there 
It's the kind of solo that I don't think was very tied to the verses and the chorus. I think there are good things separately that you could take out of, out of each component of this track. I just I I didn't get a unity in the end. I didn't I, I didn't over, get this I song over, that I'm going to go back to. I think overall the theme is the theme is not very strong and not very well binded. But I do not believe that the song as a whole is as messy as John makes it out to be. I believe that there's a form to the sound bites, and to me anyway, I found it enjoyable. I didn't I wasn't distraught or or distracted by those sounds. I think that that them linking up with the disco bass line worked in in many moments, even though overall that guitar solo and the light courses did fall a little flat. Yeah, it, it's, this is one of those things where I said, you know, sometimes it's about the moments. In this case, I'd splice this thing up. I'd, I'd, I'd rip it to shreds and oh, I, do I don't like, mean I don't mean to destroy I'm, I'm, it I mean take the good parts and and use them separately I think there are great things to listen to over and over again individually I don't I don't buy the unity I I would be on the same page um I just see a, a further disconnect of unity I guess anyway um, it's a more it's a tighter song than I think the next case because next we're getting track seven bright as your eyes and he, this is something that I'm, I, I gotta go toward the sloppier side of things. Um, somebody help me out to define the tone of this track. If it's listless. One. It's completely listless. It, it, it's, it's bizarre in its construction at moments. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's thin. It's repetitive. Is that descriptive enough for you? <coughs> I think, oh, no, no, no. I that's I only the verses. The choruses, remember, are a cluster F of synth strings that completely drown out his vocal work. And that's my big complaint. Because the verses could have done something, but with with that really big sweeping uh, synth strings that they were throwing on top of everything else, I couldn't. I could barely hear him, what he was trying to say. Not that I think he was saying much, but come on, if you're if you're all about the falsetto, if you're all about the inflection, don't kill it. Let it let it breathe. Let it come out. The interesting points. I, I'm uh, this one thing that I couldn't just could not ignore when it came to this track, and it, it it's I mean, just talk about the, this 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 divvying up here between the the verses and choruses. You're starting out in G major. All right, cool. That's 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 your verse. Now we're going to the chorus. E major, alright. Six chord, great, right? So that's a pretty standard shift. Now we have a new verse. We've just modulated. We're now in F major. As to the versus G major, we just went down a whole step. So all of a sudden you're hearing everything just a whole step lower. That in itself, not crazy. Then we go back to the chorus. We're in D now. It is the six again to this new chord. So we just shifted the whole entire song essentially down. We just we didn't just shift the section, but then just for shits and giggles, for the final recap of the chorus, we just move it right back to E again where it originally was. I don't get this. I don't really get what this is doing for the song. It's something that is it, it, you can't ignore it. And I would like it. I, I mean, this is the the thing I that that first comes to mind is that if you're a keyboard player and you happen to have one of those keyboards that has the little pitch shift on the left, the little wheel that people love to play around with, because as you're playing, then you move it back full on, and then all of a sudden your whole entire there's a personal story there. Oh, there is a personal story. That's right, because I have I have jerk friends who occasionally come into me with the uh, with the. Um, 
you know, Sam Ash or something, if you're trying out new keyboards, then, you know, some friends will just come in and they'll play. You're trying out the piano. You're seeing whether you want to buy this thing. You're trying to figure out tone and trying to, like, play all your different pieces around. Hmm, let's see what I can do with this piano here. And then all of a sudden, your your jerk friends just come up and say, mm, because they're playing around with the wheel while you're playing. Well, that, that wheel is a tool. It's it, But that's kind of what, on a massive scale, this song sort of just did to me. It dipped the whole thing down, and then it's brought it right back up again. And I have, it, it, it doesn't serve any artistic purpose. I can think of countless songs in which a modulation would have been very astute, but I don't got one here. I really don't. I don't, I don't see it in the lyrics. I don't really, I don't get any emotion from this track at all. I it struck me as random. I, I think it was. I think okay. it was. I mean, well, I mean, interestingly enough, I think that you're looking for meaning where there isn't any. I think that they just did that because they couldn't think of really anything else to do with it. I mean, the song as a whole feels kind of sol- soulless and listless. So I don't really think that they were doing that to go for some greater big meaning. I think that they just had an idea, oh, wouldn't it be weird if we did this thing? And then they did a thing. And then, then they, they were like, well, eh, it was a little weird. Let's change it back. Like, I don't, I don't really think that there's some greater meaning to I'll it. Return to but, but there is one thing I want to point out about this song. And I heard a little bit of percussion, especially in the chorus work, that I was really interested with. Okay. I, I have to point it out, because there are things about OK Go that you, you just got to keep pointing out. Sure. They know how to make things like percussion lines. They know how to make things like groove lines for a bass or things like that. Because I'm starting to harp a lot on a lot of the negatives that I'm seeing here. But there are still a lot of positives on this band. I don't, I, want to, I don't want it to become just a hate fest for me. No, I'm totally with you. I think that as far as both album and band, there are so many things to point out on the textural front. All these various little little tidbits, the things that they choose to throw in, are always very astute. It, 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 that never fails. So I'm going to continue to do that as we go through this album. But as far as this particular track is concerned, the main problem is that that is not my main focus. If you pointed it out, great. Because the only thing that I could, that I seemed to focus on, was this 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 songwriting technique that they thought was so important to to this this oddball modulation that suddenly, in context, becomes more important to my ears than that other thing. Suddenly now, I'm looking for why it's more important. That becomes their their thesis essentially it becomes the most the boldest thing they're doing in this track why is it so bold where is it going it goes nowhere i don't know uh, truth be told i didn't notice it until you pointed it out but also you have a better ear for that than i do i was kind of just going with the song and it was listed to begin with so i was checked out before the modulation probably even happened. all right fair it could be it could be a niche point um but i i had a i struggled to really highlight anything else as far as i'm concerned it was it was a sloppy songwriting technique i think um i think though above and beyond anything else something that's really important to point out about this album is a a lot of the tracks that you find you both are finding very thin or not reinventive or not reinventing the, the ones wheel, we're harping on. i'm not done <laughs> are also really good dance songs, probably still better than most modern pop dance songs that are out right now. And that's really what takes us into track eight, the first single of the record, I Won't Let You Down, which is also the first music video, which is a very dancey song. It's very, very steeped in disco. They're not even trying to hide the fact that this is a disco song, period. And it's, it, it takes us back into this dance, but it's also a very sweet love song. It's about being there for someone and not letting them down. You know, being there for someone who may really need it. And that's all this song is trying to be about. It's innocent, it's sweet, and it's very danceable. And it's structured perfectly for the music video that they created to it. Whether Chicken or the Egg, which came first, 
I don't really think it matters with this song. I think it's groovy and it's easy to get into. Okay, on the disco front, I'll give you several things here. Not just disco, a little bit of Motown. I even got a bit of Jackson 5 in this. It was kind of strange how 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 much they, they chose to just, you know, dredge from the 70s in this particular track here. But frankly, this was a... This was more of a problem for me than the previous instance. I, I may be really overstating my my disdain, if anything, for, for track six, I'm Not Through. That was, frankly, that was a modern disco track, and, and there's no bones about it. This time, I think they're going... Uh, I, I think we, we, we could have served to talk more about that track, because in this case, again, as a funk guy, I always want more... My, I always want more funk than disco, and this was just so much more toward the the disco front that it was a very easily accessible version of funk, which is basically what disco is. I just I don't know. There's these little things in here that I just can't get past, and but ultimately you can you're start off. But ultimately you're talking about that from a preference point of view because if you want to create a dance song that's very dancey and very catchy, they're gonna lean more towards disco than funk. True, but I, I am. But I mean, the last that other disco track, track six, was also a lot more disco oriented. At that point, it becomes a question of originality. So that I refer to as a modern disco track. This, they're just dipping back in time. It's full of cliches from the the use of uh, uh, the anthemic repeat chorus, the "Won't let you down, won't let you down" <laughs> kind of an idea, or the yeah. punctuation chorus of won't let you down. I mean, it's everybody's done these sort of things. Well, you did remember the it. drawn out tones. I had to write all of them down. There was a lot of them. Drawn tones, the taking the the melody and drawing out a lot of the actual chords to uh, to make them seem more important, hmm. or just flipping the layers and flipping the instruments, having an instrument that used to be a background paralleling what a front ground uh, front instrument was. It's all the cliches of One of, the, of of the disco. But that being said, I really enjoyed, really, really enjoyed the bass sound and the piano work, and I think they complemented each other very well. They more than complemented, I believe they doubled in in the uh, they doubled themselves in the underlying riff, which is uh, pretty. <laughs> I still say it's it's pulled directly from the seventies. I I would. But I, it, was, it I, was. I hate that I can't pick a particular song, but I guarantee that I could if I did some research here. In this case, it, it's that it's that rhythm that's sort of bouncing around, creeping around as it does, as it's doubling, which which just it it, it speaks of an era. It it has the tone of an era. Yeah, but I, I don't find that as such a bad thing as you do. Uh, the the fact that it's in, unoriginal, I get, and I get that having more of the same sometimes is a burden because we're looking for things that are forwarding genre as a whole. But that said, this song was probably decidedly a single from the beginning, probably mm. decided the first video from the beginning. Mm. So they put it into a structure that works for them to allow them to grow as a band, which the way they do. And whether you like the video or not, they're known for making interesting videos that are always talked about and always go viral, and almost every time they do. And this was no different. Does that give it an exception to be on the album that way? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, you're looking for the song to be more than it is, and I get that you want it to be, but it's not. It's what it is. So let's find some good within what it is. You're making a good point. It's it, a dance. And I realize that I can be I can be pretty harsh on this stuff when it comes to uh, to attacking nostalgia, especially considering I've been guilty of it, of it myself at times. Uh, 
regarding some more some more recent trends. It's really when stuff becomes overbearing cliches that 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 fill up the the entirety of of 20, 30, 40 year cultural stuff. That's when I really attack it. Like like we did, like both of us did on the, on the sort of the 50s early 60s tracks that we encountered in the Weezer album. Correct. Just, um, but the thing, episode 116. But the, that. You know, this is this is this is another one of those cases, as far as I'm concerned. That it, it, I realize it's subjective. We both were in line with attacking that particular thing. Well, here we're on opposite fronts. You want the track. You realize it's intentional. Nobody argues that it's intentional. But it comes down to a simple fact. I can groove to this, but I'm not thrilled by it. And I'm on the opposite end. I'm absolutely th thrilled by it. First of all, I'm pulled in by the lyrics, even though they're very simple and very repetitive. It's the earnestness, it's the innocence, the bubblegum nature of the lyrics that really get me grooving with it. I really get excited by the sound and the structure of this song. I feel like it's, it's perfect for its purpose that it's serving. It's not trying to be any more than this bubblegum dance song. And 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 yes, you're right. We, we, we all here have a, a tendency to be very overly harsh on throwbacks. And yes, I am on the opposite side with this, but I think it's also because after how disappointed I was with track seven, I just wanted anything I could grab onto. And this return to the dance stuff they had been doing early on, and I still enjoy this more than your Lady Gaga's, your Katy Perry's, and some of your other dance songs, because at least OK Go has a sound that I enjoy. And it's still the same vocalist, even though it's a different musical style, Damien is still Damien. He's still conveying his vocals in the same inflection that he does on the other tracks. And that's what really drew me into this. That's what really got me going and made it a solid dance song for me because I got a little bit of OK Go with a lot of bit of modern dance in a disco era. Then I'll concede. If you are one of those disco will never die people, then you will love this track. Please go to this album because it furthers the genre or falls in the genre because we're not getting too much else from it. But either way, th th this is, clearly. So, yeah. hell, whatever. <laughs> well, speaking that's, of... That's subjective if ever I've heard it. Speaking of being stuck in one type of mode, we go from disco now with uh, a true, honest-to-goodness uh, uh, arena rock song in the one moment arena rock anthem i mean the anthem pop this is uh this is a love song i think at its core yeah but i mean it's hard to avoid again the big four chord progression that that's that tries to draw you in um i i had hard time coming up with very much of this track except uh except the overlying you know, anthemic pop, but it does have more of a rock twang, and I do see the arena in terms of the, the space that's added here. It's very sweeping. What, you didn't have anything to say about how incredibly, horribly cliche this track was? And wait, then it wait, followed wait. every moment? It's more recent in my mind. It hasn't, it hasn't entered the same level of cliche. I can talk about it as being a modern cliche, but, you know, that doesn't have the oh, same it's... ring to it as a, as a cliche from 40 years. It's not that modern. It's at least two decades old, and I'd probably push it a little bit further back than that, because it starts eh, off... I don't buy that. Remember, we start off with that really soft guitar. Remember, two decades ago is the '90s, Steve. <laughs> no, it's, I'm. I know. I'm literally saying I don't hear the '90s in this really, nature. Really? Uh, this sound, I hear this sounds more modern. I hear me. fairly early U2. But with the see, soft guitar. No, no, no. The soft guitar. You build up that soft guitar. You let it, you know, mellow out for a little while, and then you add in a little bit of drum work and piano work. But you don't let them overtake that soft guitar. And then you build up, build up, build up, and you celebrate it with a big, loud wall of blocking sound, and I can't hear anything but the noise. And then you bring it back down, and you do it all over again. Then it's a question of association, because as of the '80s, the U2—I mean, the U2—U2 U2 were the only band that did U2. 
Today, it's a movement. Well, and also, I mean, there are tons of other bands who've done stuff like this. Coldplay, who was guilty of it in their most recent record. U2, who we re- recently reviewed and also did the same thing they did then now. And oh, and they- I'll call it straight out. They're doing this far better than U2 did in that album. Yes, I agree, too. Um, I think that really what keeps the song from being a problem for me is the fact that even though it's cliche and familiar, it's also very sincere and romantic. It's very heartfelt. The lyrics very much convey the the, the feelings from from the, the the point of view of the singer. It's not it's not as insincere as some of those U two songs sounded. A lot of the the, the songs on their newest yeah, record they were, were a little more insincere. they were significantly more phoned in. They felt very empty. And I mean, in this, you know, it 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 really just it feels like it's more from the heart. And I think even though. I got a little listless towards the end because I could predict exactly where this song was going. I still enjoyed it because it did feel very, very heartfelt and warm. Then I'll bring in something that I I, uh, feel needs noting, even amidst a song that, you know, I could have gone either way with. And that is the lyrics here. I think there's something... uh, This is is deeper than a mere love song. It, it, It goes pretty far with this. First of all, it starts out very, very open, clearly like one, one-on-one one kind of feel. Um, you're right, there's nothing more lovely, there's nothing more profound than the certainty, than the certainty that this, that all of this will end. So open your arms to me, open your arms to me, and this will be the one moment that matters. This will be the one thing we remember. This will be the reason to have been here. This will be the one moment that matters at all. But then it goes a little bit further into some, some darker stuff. So while the mud reclaims our footprints, and while our bones keep looking back, the overgrowth is swallowing the path. There for the grace of God go we. There for the grace of God go we. There for the, God, there for the grace of time and chance and entropies, cruel hands. This is beautiful stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you're going Because I want to go full force with this. Good, but, good catch. But this is... I, 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 I fear that these words will be clouded by a song that sounds as much as you want to cover it up, as much as you may want to call it, you know, a fair game as far as the arena rock or, or, or anthem pop realms are concerned, still it, in the pack, one of the pack. It, the music will not, will not highlight these lyrics in, in any particular stretch. That's the biggest problem, and that's the biggest shame, because, I mean... It, there's more of work here, and I'm not even going to bother reading it all because there's a lot going on here. This is the most block of text we're getting on the entire album. It's the most and content, obviously. The 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 repetition is actually necessary for a lot of the lines they repeat. They it it impacts feeling. It imp- well, here's the thing. What it does is it takes a a a a simple love song, as we initially termed it, and it kind of pushes it into the urgency of this love in the midst of. Uh, the the thing that all of us face every single day, and that is the the uh, the the fleetingness of of life itself. And he goes deeper and deeper into this imagery to make you so painfully and existentially aware of it. You know, from the lyrical standpoint, that you really want this to happen. You really want this moment to have happen between these two people. You want her to open her arms to him as he as he urges, and and. Again, from a poetic from a poetic standpoint, maybe there's something even a little bit cliche about this, you know. But I don't know. I think he cuts it across. There's a lot of, frankly, you, you'd have to be a pretty cold person to not acknowledge the the place of of existentialism in in our time. Everyone needs a certain dose of reality, and how short 
time they have. And the lyrics themselves would be perfect for what exactly it is as an arena rock sound, as as almost an anthem. But it's just the supporting cast of the instrumentation just it leaves it wanting. Yeah, that that it, it's just a it's a shame. But this is you know one of the reasons we do this is because I I feel it necessary to promote these lyrics and on the grand scale. Um, it wasn't a fully formed product as far as I'm concerned, but uh, it it's about the parts of the whole. Well, and also I think what really lessens the impact of this song is the song that follows it, which conveys I mean more powerfully sweet love feel with a very different sound. And and the, the the interesting thing here is that it's a lot tighter as far as I was concerned. This was um, more of a slow ballad. If I had a mountain, if track I had 10. a mountain, track ten. Best inflection. His vocals are are some mostly songs don't even get close to this. It's, it's just amazing the, the 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 vocals that come out of this song. I loved it. This favorite maybe who knows. But the main, the range and the message, the two things coming together, awesome. Pure awesome. Let's do this um, by feeding the lyrics in, into, into the manner of singing, as, as you're pointing out here. First verse. If I had a mountain, I'd push every stone to a cliff. If I had a river, the banks would overflow. But a book abandoned by the bed might kill me. The stain from where your wine glass was could bring me to my knees. A book abandoned by the bed might kill me if I don't have you. So, again, you get an extension of the same urgency, and it, 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 it reaches even darker paths. And this time, less cliché paths. You're not getting things, you know, so, so, so broad-termed as, uh, as, as, I guess, the visualization of death and things related to death as you got in the previous track but here you're looking at things a lot more personal things that are are sort of the, the trudgings of a person who was who is longing now let's talk about the lyric i mean about the about the melody itself that you pointed out because every weakness here um that that you that you see in the lyrics is conveyed by the vocals in the chorus itself here the falsetto it's weak. It's faltering. It, it is vulnerable. It is. It is. It, it literally will not survive. I. He successfully conveys that that he will not survive without her, the mystical her. It's it's worse than the bridge. The the desperation, the soul wrenching pain, because everything that I am is just pieces of you. Every thought that I have, just pieces of you, just pieces of you, just pieces of you. It's showing a true connection. It's, it's, it's conveying a love between two people that's beyond just loving someone. and It's more being one with someone else, which is an important message to follow up uh, after the one moment. And I think the songs do actually work well together, but this song just has a much more powerful impact. I mean, it's, it's so much more vulnerable. And if you want to convey love and care vulnerability is the way to do it and it really pulls it across with this song there's also um an exposition an instrumental part that for once i'm not gonna say that it's full of these great moments that don't work in context here's full of really great moments that work well together uh, this is one of the most cohesive songs on the entire album in my opinion i feel like we're not getting a disconnect between 
the A section of the verse, the B section of the chorus, the bridge really just meshes together. I think the bridge everything goes. To, everything is just spot on here. Bridge is a hundred percent tied because it uses. It starts out with a pretty basic chord progression, and then it proceeds to have this this sort of falling chord progression beyond that. That that sort of sustains that vulnerability. So you feel it even you know reflected in in the various components of the track. That's that's good songwriting when you can when you can well effortlessly force every single element to convey the same feeling i think this, nothing is there for the sake of it is my point this is definitely one of the stronger tracks on the record um the the tail end of the record as a whole is very strong as far as emotionality and conveying something it's a, it's a using less and and it seems to be getting better in in many in many ways because uh, as we go from track to track, you know, we we find that certain things are tighter, certain things are more connected. This is a thing. Th- th- this particular track, I think, is a case which is still probably one of the. It, it's a step up. It's one of those. It, it's the opposite of what I've been saying about them. It's not focusing on those moments and those various little things that they throw in here. In fact, this is a track that maybe would would fall a little bit short as far as. Uh, as far as I take it, I, it never really reaches for like these 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 glistening diamonds to just you know shine in your eye. Hey, look, it's pretty. It it just settles you and calms your heart a bit. So there are some some generic moments in this song. The fact of the matter is, it has a theme. It has a focus. It's got a it's got a thesis. It's connecting, starting to connect some some album themes together. And I think that in many ways uh, makes it one of the stronger uh, cohesive art pieces, even if other things are a little flashier. That retracts as we go to the next track here, track 11, The Great Fire, where everything just seems to be working. So The Great Fire starts with a very spacey intro. It, it, it's, we're going back to that kind of almost outer space kind of ethereal sound. Um, and it leads into a, a, a techno that's a techno beat that's kind of haunting almost in a way. It's, it's got this dissonance that we haven't really heard before. It, it's, it's taking that... that techno work to a different level. Well, it's 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 harrowing. If you're just talking about the intro here, it's it's sort of a spacey cosmos kind of intro, you know, step in Carl Sagan at any moment. Um, but then we step away from that into a more, you know, a, a certifiable uh, certifiable verse. You get this B minor feel and then it slips down again to the to the sharp 7, which we encountered earlier uh, on this album. That sort of motion to the sinister sharp 7 of the minor, um, which which in this case is is because of, of of the the rest of the the sound bites here, it, it's it's less sinister as much it is as I referred to harrowing. So, anyone want to go into lyrics? Because this is kind of important. This is one. This is the part that I latched on the most uh, lyrically. It's it doesn't really go through a, a standard verse course that they've been doing throughout the album. They they kind of lighten it up there. It's not as it's not as, it doesn't show as much. I'll agree with that. There's uh there's something about something like interruption occurring in this particular track. You get sort of mid verse. I'll I'll read the lyrics because this is important to to note where this occurs. So much there was to lose. So much got lost in the great fire. In the great fire. So much that no one thought that no one thought to think of at all until the fire, the fire broke out. And a little pause there between um, between that no one thought to think of it all and until the fire, the fire that broke out, there's an interruption mid-thought that 
straight out of like the Outer Limits introduction. You know, please excuse the the interruption. Your your television transmission. We are taking control. There's just this static breakdown where everything just just falls apart, and then it returns the chord and it yields into these varying flourishes, like a harp sound, and and it seems to find its place again. This is um, a part where at first I, I I'll be honest, I didn't get this song. I thought. The chorus and the verses were beautiful in and of themselves, but kind of separate. But in retrospect, this introduction of the kind of orchestral flourishes and everything like that does a great job in personifying what the flames are doing. The little bit of synth work that's definitely along the lines of uh, 8-bit, of old-school style that way, Add a great texture to, say, spark plugs or light bulbs going and things of that sort. The way that they actually form the sound bites here is probably the strongest on the album because it actually, it's adding a lot of context to what they're talking about. It's adding the, the, actu- the, the, the paint, it's adding the pigment, the brush strokes, but... I feel like uh, some of the canvas is actually still missing. But that's I feel like the through line, the through line melody is just not strong enough to support this whole song. I disagree. I think the through line <laughs> melody is really strong because it really the way it kind of leaves those empty holes in the canvas conveys how horribly depressing this song is. The loneliness, the emptiness, the pure sadness of this song. I didn't get that. I didn't. I'm not saying I'm going to be depressed by this song. It's more to. It's just a sad story. No, I disagree. I'm not. I think, I'm not invested that, with it. I'm a hundred percent with Matt here. Yeah, the, I think the this, openness this, this, this song. <laughs> this is the most moving thing on the album so far, and there are distinct reasons for this because it is the. It's it, it's in terms of, of album progression also. The the previous two songs kind of set us up for this. They really did, and this is the breakout moment. All that that worrying, all that warning about you know how we'll deal, how we'll deal, and then you know there's this. This this fire that breaks out, which is just you can you can hear the breakdown within this, and I think that 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 television interruption sound kind of uh, captures this. Amidst that, when he says "until the fire, the fire broke out," it's highlighted by these seventh chords. Sometimes we get you know there's these dense moments on 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 this album, which you know in general they're a little bit they're a bit sparse. But I I appreciate the fact that this album sort of waited for that reveal, and it it fills out. This 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 fiery sound it does come across as as flames and this I you talked about verse chorus structure before this I would kind of liken to a hook this until the fire the fire broke out it's constantly reinvented with these varying sound bites and the sound bites really do paint this sound it is the pigment but I don't think there's any canvas missing this is this had me completely depressed after it on that I want to move to the chorus. When the flames died down, so we do get a little bit of a a little bit of a retraction here at the end, but in this particular case, you it's almost like the narrative took place to define what just occurred. The background effects step in, and this time it's more of a we're, we're returning to the violins. It's more like the score from like a, a 1950s movie as the strings just fall downward here. It's like the sincere emotional moment between two characters that is captured by the strings as if the strings were the narrator. And I mean, that coupled with the the way the outro of the track kind of collapse, collapses, 
kind of gives that feeling of nothing left, the framework's there, and now even that is falling apart. Yeah, and there's multiple breakdowns here. We return, you know, several times to that sort of outer limits feel where the, 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 the reception interruption occurs. So it, there's, there's a sense of not being able to cope with this. And I think that's honestly, like, I was struggling to find where there was a connection to the final track of the record after this. But, but it's there. If, after building to this worry and this loss and this not sure, being sure where to go, and then a great fire that concerns everything you have, all you're left with is a very bare-bones structure and this will to want to go on, this will to want to ease the minds of those around you, even if everything's gone. So we get a track called Lullaby, which is more or less a straightforward acoustic track. I have to go back. Only okay. because we skipped over something very, very important here. Again, I'm talking about all the various uh, the various elements in the music that 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 sort of seek to to recap the same point over and over again. And I'm always interested to see the variety of ways in they can do that. Mm-hmm. And there was a solo in the previous track, which I, I I don't think can be overlooked. This very bright, warm electric guitar solo, which we haven't really. We haven't really gotten on this album in such a straightforward manner before. And this electric guitar solo does the same thing that the strings do, but in a much more fluid sense. And by fluid, I mean that it's, it's, it's more singular, it's more focused. You hear it as an individual tale and not this sort of distant narrator or these, or these paint strokes from, a, from a, a distant person trying to convey the story. Instead, this is just straight from the horse's mouth. This solo conveys the misery and uncertainty in the broken phrases of... Of, of the solo itself. It strives to just reach this, 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 the same uh, point over and over and over again, and it, it feels drunk. It feels like it's in the midst of a spell of drunkenness, that it just can't, it's on the fourth glass of whiskey practically, and it, it can't continue. It's funny because I didn't actually have the, the guitar solo taken down, I think, because at that point in the track, I was just so consumed by the emotionality of the track that all of this hopelessness kind of bled together. Not necessarily in a bad way, just it didn't stand out as much to me, and I think it's because I was so overcome by the entire content of the track that I wasn't looking for that solo on its own. Fair enough. Um, but back to what I was saying about the follow-up track, I feel like even though it's a loose connection and... Still, this song kind of has no place on the record considering the content that was created. Lullaby is what you follow up when you have nothing left. When you have nothing left except those you care about, all you want them to do is be able to sleep through another night. And I think that's what this song is trying to convey. It does work uh, from the theory point of view and from an artistic choice. I'm, it, 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 it makes sense, but frankly, Lullaby, it's sweet, it's acoustic... It's it's got good harmonies in the vocals, but frankly, I, I, at this point, I, I was I, I don't see where it actually would fit on this album as a musical piece, not as you know an art piece, but as a musical piece. There's nothing to connect it to the previous songs. That guitar solo from the Great Fire is really the only part of the album I can think of where I can point. Ooh, look at that guitar. That was good. And then you're gonna base your next song on the on this as your major instrument. It's it it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> this is rather interesting, considering I think the the theme of this album is stacking up very closely with a very similarly titled uh, album that I, I I jokingly referred to at the end of last week's episode when I was talking about how. Uh, we, we find a lot of cases that Ghost re- recurs in our album titles, but we had an album back in episode 103 called Plays Ghost Stories, where obviously it used the word ghost to represent a, a 
the the figment of a broken relationship, the figment that you're now removed of for all intents and purposes, so she, he, might as well be a ghost. Um, this is stacking up very closely, considering it's called Hungry Ghosts. It is really uh, an expression of the same tale, but it, it expresses much more longing in it. Uh, I, I, again, this is sort of in, 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 a, in a crude attempt to kind of tie this album together, and I don't think it's perfect, because frankly, as far as tone is concerned, there is something very odd that this album started off as a party, par, uh, started off as a party album, but then decided to just go with a very dark route, dark uh, kind of existential in, in, in... It makes you search inside yourself, I think, a little bit. And I don't think a lot of people are going to expect this. And I think a lot of people are going to bypass this album for, for that sad fact and not look toward its, its, its rear end. But there's a lot to be had here. And especially as far as these last two tracks are concerned, uh, the last three, four tracks are concerned, it's, it's tying up this relationship pretty well, and it's tying up what he needs to do as a person. Because, as one of these verses refers to, when morning comes, and I'm still a thousand miles from your side, don't give up. Don't let the darkness of day in. I'll see you in your dreams again tomorrow night. Go to sleep, my love. Just go. Go to sleep. It's this kind of thing he needs to tell himself, in, in a sense. And... and all of this, obviously, is, is filtered through your standard lullaby. It actually comes across as three parts. The beginning, go, go to sleep, my love, just go, go to sleep, and dream that I'm there in your arms tonight, dream that I'm there, and we'll be all right. This is sort of perpetuated by these long, drawn-out, opening, melodic notes. Just go to sleep, and, and you get these, this nice harmony on this. Sort of the, the main melody there is on the 2-3-6 on the of, of, the, of the scale, but it's, it, it's harmonized quite, quite pleasantly. And then within all this, it's sort of a waltzy lullaby. It's not a 3-4, it's a little bit faster than that. I felt it more 3-8. But there's, it, it, it really is lulling me to sleep. It's probably the most successful lullaby that I've ever heard, considering that we perceive this to be a, another fairly cliche thing. I mean, lullabies are a dime a dozen. Well, they did it better than anyone I've successfully heard to date, and that includes uh, Mother Goosean ones. Um, this is... This is a powerful closing to an album that I think may may work more than it lets on. It's I, just you need to you need to squint. I well, I I don't know that you need to squint that much. I just think you need to sit with it a little longer. I think the fact that it starts and there are weaknesses in the structure, but I think that what this track really ties together, Lullaby, is that it it really hooks this. The song start the album starts very party carefree. It kind of builds to this actual drama in life. And I feel like in the course of an actual life and growing up, it's very easy to be loose and fun and dancey and happy. And then the reality of the world around you sets in and things become overwhelming and things become hard. And then it could even all burn to nothing. But then when you're left with nothing, you still have something. You still have to clasp onto that hope. And yes, it's a loose arc, but I think it's there. I don't think I'm... I'm stretching too far to go for that. I, I, only, I, would, I would think it's there. I, I, I definitely see that. The only stretch, no, I think, is, is, is really whether this is more of a uh, Future Island situation, which incidentally was very close to the Coldplay album. That was episode 104, and um, Coldplay was episode 103. And this one uh, Coldplay album is very much just a, you know, a 
breakup album, and it, it's about referring to your past. Well, episode 104 is a lot more elusive, and it seems to make this constant reference to the inability to escape your past that, as you listen to the album, seems so far in the distance that you begin to assume madness. This is an album that I think could either be one or the other. I think this, this lullaby track, as far as its soothing nature is concerned, implies conclusion. Um, and, but the funny thing is that it's, it, it also, it, it's very much person to person here. But is he inventing this himself? Because when you see, you know, I'll see you in your dreams again tomorrow night, it's like he's superimposing this on the other in person such that he is, is going to consistently return to this thing. And that itself is a fault. In which case, it's a very ironic lullaby. Possibly intentionally ironic, though. Yeah. But for all <laughs> that, I mean, I don't know if it still fits. Uh, yeah, you can. I can make a ton of arguments of why, metaphorically, you wouldn't even want techno or electronic or ear synthesizer or anything like that in this song. But honestly, I don't think it's even worth the effort. I mean, artistically, there are choices, but here, it, it's just, it's not hitting any chords with me. It sounds like a lullaby, but I'm not a child anymore. Lullabies aren't just for children. It's true, they're not. <laughs> I feel like adults are just as equally soothed by a lullaby. In fact, if a sweet voice is singing me to sleep, I'll sleep a lot better. Especially the, if I'm anxious or stressed out. They're the opposite with me. I never wanted to go to sleep as a kid. I was always that, you know, no, tell me another story, tell me another story. Otherwise, you know, let me go play with my toys. I don't want to go to bed. You know, the lullaby always, always, I always kind of saw through it and, and, and saw it as like this, this, this cheap trick. Um, but, you know, as a... You were a jaded child. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Probably was. But in any case, I accept the lullaby now and I find this extremely effective. Um... You know, sue me. I never heard a lullaby like this before, and I think this is, I think this is, um, even if you just break it down to the to the three part structure of this song and and its uh, persistence in three instead of four, which uh, I think is also a little bit unfamiliar. I'm a little unfamiliar with it. It actually gives it more of a fluid structure. So if you're just if you're just abandoning meaning entirely, I think this is, from a musical standpoint, just a a, a brilliant song because um uh. A lullaby should not be broken. You shouldn't be able to separate it by phrase, because if you can, then you have expectations. A lullaby should be like when they're putting you under in, in the surgery and they're telling you to count back from 100. It's just a consistent downward slide, and it's the way this three feel um, comes across, since the melodies are, are very unaccented within that. It's just, it croons you forward. So, shall I go into the wrap-up? Unless you want me to go first. I'm ready. Ah, you ought to go just to break it up a bit. Because mm, you always go first. We make you. <laughs> Even when it's your pick, I want to make you go first. You do. This album... Alright, summations. OK Go does a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. As, as a career, they do a lot of things right and some things wrong. Um, here... All the right things are what we said. There are tidbits in every single one of these songs just about that that will be great ideas for somebody. And a lot of these songs, some of them, well, some of these songs come across pretty well, pretty solidly. But there's so much just 
bumps in the road and just complete detours as far as the quality of this album goes for me when 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 we get just a, such a bland piece in the one moment or when it takes five songs before i really start getting into an album with stuff like tune up the radio just kind of passing by passing me by for the most part and when I can really say that a lot of parts just sound messy, they sound unrefined. Not the unrefined nature of a, a, a garage band where you want that raw nature. No, this is just unrefined in, in such a way where they should have spent more work on it maybe. I don't know. It, it feels a little slapped together at times. That's, that's not good. And it, there's still good parts on everything. That's the problem. That's where I'm, I'm having problems making up my actual mind. Because even the parts that I don't like, I'm like, take that, take that little five-second phrase, make it a great centerpiece for another piece of song. Take that melody that you kind of started to develop but didn't go anywhere with and make that the centerpiece. It would have been great. But, for, but it, it's everything. There's so many things that keep it back. So... It's a 3-5. It's not an average album by any stretch. It's okay, go. They don't do average things. It's just... They're, they're taking a step forward in their music, but they're also not leaving behind some of the problems they've already had. Interesting. Well, I'll be blunt. I've never heard an album that started off so blasé as far as my tastes are concerned and ended so unbelievably strong uh <laughs> the, the decision like that is is something that i really want to you know read into the 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 goal of the artist and maybe infer some kind of desire to to connect our 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 desire to con to connect our desire as listeners with with something that's so Fundamental, I think, to what we do. On one hand, being party out, rock out, lose your mind to the music. Doesn't matter what it is, just do something, you know, something that makes you unwind, which often will result in fairly uncomplex and and uh, and and repetitive music and maybe even cliched music because it's all about unity, joining people together. Um, and then the other is the kind that makes you think, the kind that is more likely to push you toward. Uh, your darker introverted edges the kind that probably many of us don't like to go down and the roads that we don't like to go down and i i would cite that as a fault i think on our part i think more of us need to really get in touch with that part of ourselves because if we're constantly living in the in the uh you know united ether <laughs> then it's it's gonna f I feel like it's very easy to get drugged on that and it's very easy to lose your individuality in the, in the place of others now that's a little bit of a heavy uh, monologue, I think, for this album because I can't confirm any of that. I can't confirm that that's what the artist was think was thinking. I, I think, I think it's just that these are both of what they like. These are both the sides they like to go down because the well balanced individual will probably go down both ends. Um, so then that leads me to the question of what is really wrong with those other tracks? What is wrong? What do I find wrong with the? Uh, the, the unifying anthemic dance your your dance your ass off kind of tracks i find i find no fundamental thing wrong with them except for their their familiarity to my ears in this respect 
I got to go back just a couple weeks to Weezer. You know, I think that was a case where I found them to be unifying. But you know what? They, they were original in their way of unifying an audience and making them sing along, as I cited from uh, my experience at their concert and how everyone knew the lyrics. Um, I don't know, though. When you're taking dips into the 80s, as so many people are doing nowadays, this, this persistent nostalgia... Uh, same goes with the 70s. As much as I love funk sounds, you know, disco's a very light-hearted way to do it. There's nothing wrong with this. I'm just a little over it at this point. So, I, I can only focus on the other end of this album. The rest of it is just really not doing it for me in the grand scheme of things. So, take that. And this is a, a, a back-heavy album for me. I will go straight to the rear end. Uh, the first... The, the earlier part of this record is just... I don't know. It's a little bit of a chore, aside from a few things where they're definitely breaking through. Track three, for instance, uh, that that that's mind-blowing just from a pop perspective. I think that both unifies and enthralls from an original standpoint. When you add all this together, I think you're looking at an album that has good things on the vast majority of its songs. Not all songs are perfect. Only the last, perhaps, two, three songs I would cite as, as perfection clo- or... Closing in on perfection. So, when you're just adding up the numbers, I think it's a good album. Four. Okay, my summation. I'll try and keep it brief since we've yacked on long enough, I think, on this record. Um, I like OK Go a lot. Um, I like that the band seems to have a carefree air about them as musicians. That they, they don't take themselves that seriously. Even though they can convey songs like Tracks 11, 10, 11, and 12, which are very serious, pointed songs. Damon writes often for Huffington Post and tackles some massive music-related topics. He's, he's a very intelligent guy. They don't take themselves that seriously. I mean, they danced on treadmills for their first viral video. You know, they like to have fun at its core. And I think this album, on its whole, is a real, real well-balance of who they are as a band. I think that, that at, at, at the core, the Hungry Ghosts, are ghosts of career past, ghosts of the career future, maybe. I don't know. Or ghosts of society. I think that ultimately there's this hunger to to consume, to bring in more, to get more for meaning from either the pointless stuff and the not pointless stuff, the, the digestible stuff and the not digestible stuff. And I think they really approach that really well here. I was never bored on this record at any moment. I enjoyed all of it. Um, that said, there are still cliche problems with this album you know the the 80s song the 70s song they're both very textbook you know even the 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 this one moment song was very cliche and textbook it's intentional okay great so they wanted to make a cliche song because they just really wanted to convey that emotion so be it but i i still really enjoyed it i think that they're this is one of their best records on a whole because i listened straight through without feeling bored or disinterested, um, where there were moments in the last album where I thought they kind of reached too high and failed. Here, they either didn't reach high enough, they just stayed where they were comfortable, or they reached high and made it. They really grabbed what they were going for. None of the songs on the back end of this album fail in any capacity to reach what they're going for. And I think it really gives this this album a stronger arc than I thought it had in the beginning. So, I'm around where Steve is. I I think my pure 
fanboyism might push it a little higher because I just I didn't have as many problems as you guys do with it because I was able to look past what was cliche or expected to just enjoy it and dance to it. So I would give it a 4.1 mostly because I think that the things that they do right, they do so right. And as a band, I'm always interested to see what they will do next because every time they come out with a new album, I go, it's okay, go. I wonder what they're going to do. And so I think that's why I put it at 1.4 because while it's not... 4.1. You really turned around this, didn't you? The reason I put it at 4.1 is because I'm never bored by OK Go and I'm always intrigued at what they'll do next. And as a band, that's a pretty neat skill to have because it's very easy to get complacent with the bands we even love, a la Green Day and Weezer until recently. So that's where I sit with this album, is a 4.1. And speaking about love, today's topic, we're going to actually talk about rocking what we love when we listen to music what we love when we want to pump ourselves up this is a more personal not so much the big trying to change the world one step at a time that we we usually go to at least the last few months um well i'd like to go around the room first and pick a song your favorite song to rock out to or one of your favorite songs to rock out to which i have already if no one does go for it for me a song and it's a Short, short snippet of a song, but I rock out to it every time I hear it, is Song 2 by Blur. Song Ooh, 2 by Blur choice. is a song that, between the drums, the guitar riff, and the bass, it's simple in construction, but perfection in execution. It's hard not to rock out with that song, especially with the choruses. Catchy, memorable, and almost nonsensical. Literally just yelling, oh, woohoo. I think that's one of my... And also the video, which I remember had a room that was on pivots and they flew around against the walls bouncing off stuff just rocking out. I think that's the pinnacle for me of rock out songs, specific songs. All right. Um, yeah, this is interesting. But just to prove that I'm not, uh, I'm not averse to cliches, I can't... You're with it? <laughs> no, just to prove that, I, that there's, there's, there are things that... Even if a lot of people have gotten on board with it, and even if a lot of people have gotten on board with it for, for decades, they can still really pack the punch. Edgar Wintergroup, Frankenstein. <laughs> I, you, you, I'm literally in another world when I listen to that song. It's all instrumental. There's no lyrics. Well, if you've listened to this podcast and you've listened to how I generally treat music, you probably could realize that I... I could leave out lyrics in a, in a good chunk of my music and probably still have a good time. Um, lyrics are more like the icing on the cake when you're searching for theme. I don't want theme in Frankenstein. What theme are you going to look for? This is just awesome music. I will. I I can air guitar to every note and every and I can air drum every 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 crash every every. Everything in that song, you have no idea. Steve is having a nervous breakdown on the air, folks. Yes. He's having a stroke. Literally, there's there's no part of that song that I don't have committed to my to memory. And a lot of it, of course, is attached to nostalgia. I mean, I, I first heard it in around eighth grade. It was one of those those odd oddball tracks that, you know, your your dad hands down to you and says, Hey, listen to this. <laughs> and you're just like, What is going on? That's basically where I go back to because it was rock, and it was technical, 
I mean, that, I, you know, I wouldn't be me if I didn't kind of like develop some sort of attachment to the technicality because let's face it, if, it if, if it's staying steady, then it's probably lost a few ideas. Then you have to reach back and do what we do and say, you know what, it, it, it's, it, it, little, it's trying to say a message. But if you already outruled message, then the only way you can go is to be technical and do something really, really impactful, really impressive, something that outdoes all of your contemporaries and all of the people who play your said instrument. So you know what? Go, Edgar Winter Group. You made a timeless track, and I will rock out onto it for decades to come. I had visions. I was in them. I was looking into a mirror to see <laughs> a little bit clearer the rottenness and... Evil in me. And evil in me. Oh, excuse me. Wow, I got that one wrong. Wow. That's fine. I know Harvey where... Danger. Five Flagpole Sitta. Oh, God. High School. I love this song. This was the this song I, I went to when I was just feeling manic. When I was just, like, in a mood. It's it's a song that I... Yeah, nice. I was I was headbanging to. Well, it's also uh, one of those songs that lyrically, like... I, every, I just love Well, the, everyone the, the knows when, when, when there's that pause, the breakdown, and... Uh, uh, it's just, like, that whole I love thing. That. Like, everybody knows those lyrics. It's one of those songs that in the 90s, everybody knew. Really? Really? No, I'm, I'm, I'm... And Rage Against Machines. I'm drawing blanks. We don't have the rights. You're way over Here's five seconds, tongue. dude. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. If they it's not the only, don't don't bankrupt us. It wasn't the only song I was going to at that time, though. And it's one, not the only song that I was sticking with. But while manically I wanted uh, Harvey Danger because the guitar. The guitar was such an integral part of it that I didn't even hear some of the other instruments for, I don't know, years. Because that guitar was so instrumental in... Just propelling the energy forward. That with Flagpole Sitta, when you're going back and forth between the two pieces, that's what I love. That's what I love about just a song to rock out with. The other side of what I love to rock out with a song is a chorus. The pinnacle chorus. You went exactly where I wanted to go next. Oh, lyrically what song. My favorite chorus. One of one of the probably my my favorite pieces done by a band is the Cranberries and their song Zombie. Really? I love the chorus. I, I had a little I Cranberries obsession inflection. in middle school, actually. I think everybody did it. Although, for me, it was high school because I'm older than you. That would follow, yes. Time. Zombie, I love Zombie. I couldn't get over that song growing. Once I heard it, just growing along with it. I mean, her her vocals are eerie, scary, and I just have to sing along with her. See, it's funny, in the vein of songs that I have to sing along to and I rock out vocally, uh, which I guess is where we're going next, the song mm. might be a little out of step from what you'd think. It's not as heavy, but it is. And this is a song that I like singing because it's an accomplishment, because I've memorized all the lyrics, can sing it from beginning to end, and I never actually have to look at the lyrics when I do karaoke. And that's We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. That's one <laughs> of those songs that I know by heart, and that it's like... The end when he's screaming the lyrics, like 
it's it's just it's so powerful. I have to interrupt to sort of bring this um, closer to the reasoning for this topic because you will probably notice, any listener will notice that we're bringing up a lot of cliches here in this little lineup, and this has often been you know it's been a little bit of a recent problem. But well, it's been a problem in some sense since, since we started. Of course, you know what defines the bad cliche, which is really what we mean when we say a cliche, as opposed to the good cliche, the timeless thing. I mean, th- we talked about this recently when we're talking about staying power in music uh that was only a couple episodes ago but we find this in in multiple bands especially as we talked about death from above 1979 last week and and this is just it's coming down to a question of if someone can rock out to it and another person can't then you have a fundamental difference you you, that that's that is almost impossible to be explained even by what we do when we have two-hour episodes we try to explain these things from a fundamental standpoint this is one of the most impossible things to convey i can break this down musically for you i can break down what a musician is doing at the end the answer may still come back that doesn't get me all the stuff you just said all the rhythmic changes all the, the the mode mixtures that you just did that just doesn't speak to me at which point i'd say okay Sure. We haven't said that in many weeks. Well, there's are there are some some songs that seem to hit a little bit more across the board when you start talking about well some of our favorite bands like Queen and oh. Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, how many just Americans? I mean, we're going to focus on America for a moment here. How many Americans don't know that song who are over the age of 20? Obviously, none? I mean, none. Most of them can sing along with at least Part of it. Before we go too far down this... Under under 70. But before we go too far down that rabbit hole, though, I do want to hear Steve's response on his favorite song, To Sing. Though I could guess, I think it's somewhere in the Cargo family. (laughs) I think... um, I'm curious... No, I don't know. It's bizarre because a lot of times, again, the things that I end up committing to memory are usually melodic passages or or chordal progressions, but it's... It varies from, from... Album to album, band to band. Don't get me wrong, because Cargo, by Bennett Work, has been ingrained in me since I was like three years old. So <laughs> I, I, I know a pretty good chunk of that album. But there's other things, and it actually tends to be things that are melodic in a rhythmic fashion that I tend to go back to. Here's a really random one. TV on the radio, Dancing Shoes, off uh, their, their 2008 album, I believe. He's a what? He's a what? He's a newspaper man, and he gets his best ideas from a newspaper stand, from his boots to his pants, to his comments and he rants. He knows that any little article will do. The way he expresses some confusion about his part in the plan, and he can't understand why he's not in command. The decisions underwritten by the cash in his hand, but a sweater for his rhyme or two. Oh, I'm no madman, but that's insanity. Uh, 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 that's over five seconds. I know. I took, um, a, I took a tip from you. Well, there is. I, I like. I'll I like the. I like the parts <laughs> like that. Um, I like songs like that. But the only we're covering so- it technically, we're not actually playing the song. It's good because my beep sound bite is not that long. There's one song, and probably the only song I'll do nowadays. Because a little little thing to the listeners, I have huge issues with stage fright, um, which is, I guess, ironic that I'm on a audio podcast and can't shut up sometimes. Um, there's only one song I'll do in karaoke, and that is Clint Eastwood by The Gorillas, because I know that rap forwards, backwards, upside down, and when it comes on, it doesn't matter who's singing it, it, if I can hear just a little tidbit, I will start doing the whole damn thing. You shut the sound off, I'm finishing. No, no, no way I'm going to let that be unsaid. Hmm. 
The good well, thing is that, though, most people won't ask you to sing it upside down or backwards, usually just forwards. I will convey, though, of course, what I just did before, I mean, it, you could probably tell that it has somewhat of a, of a rap origin to it. And it mm-hmm. makes me very often sympathize with, you know, all the, the, the entirety of the hip-hop genre because it does present lyrics in a fairly rhythmic fashion. My problem is when it, it, it tends to sort of move a little bit too far away, when there's a separator there distinctly between the beat work and the rap itself, and a lot of rap ends up doing this, where it becomes two separate entities. You're either rapping along and forgetting about the music beneath it, or you are just focusing on the beat work and you're forgetting about the rap. I mean, this, I find, is, is a case with a lot of it. But, you know, the, the track Dancing Shoes, it's not as if I even have to go forward and say, oh, they're married, they're together, because, frankly, the beat work takes so much of a backseat, and it, it serves as just a tempo for the acapella work being done there's something about about that that yielding to the greatness so you know of, of the this very rhythmically aligned melody that i just i just find irresistible but again that's going to vary a lot from person to person well that's, some that's... people like things for instance that are a lot more freeform some things that are like some people like things that are tighter i i think that's an example of, of a very a very tight uh hip-hop uh structure well, one of the big things that I do enjoy about my, quote, rocking music or my hype music or the sort of music that just gets my blood pumping is just heavy beat work. Whether it's in the bass, the guitars, the drums, or it's electronica, or it's just punctuation with a, a, a special note here and there, I like just to be able to heartbeat, pound it, or, or somehow just bob my head to it. See, now this is something I could immediately say that I'm more on the odds with because a lot of times this is the thing I associate with with trance. Some of the things that I, you know, somewhat well, that's slyly I... reference today. The things that when I hear them, I'm a little bit quick to the trigger. Things that are, that you know, I, if I associate it with a fist pump, then something about that, maybe it's just the way I, I grew up to kind of just, just, uh, I don't know. I was deterred by by that 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 lifestyle. If you're all if your whole goal is just to go out on a dance floor and keep a steady beat, unchanging, unwavering, no complexities, no alterations at any point within this, just a tick on the metronome and then a beat that sort of fills it out. As far as I'm concerned, that's that's very that's very empty. That has no soul. It could also have to do with the fact that you're an 80 year old man trapped in a 20 something year old's body. I. I, I would say otherwise for this particular case. And I think I there's more argue, people. I think there are people apart from 80-year-old men who are deterred by fist pumping. That's and I, fair. I would argue that, and I know you're familiar with it because you did your homework. El Scorcho, <laughs> Weezer, is a perfect example for not you know being safe, but having that sort of punctuation, having that sort of timing present that I just love. Well, that dun 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 dun. dun, dun it is. It's it doesn't to go metronome. anywhere, but it's 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 not just dump 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 that you get in trance or anything like that, or what have you. It's it's not junk. It's got substance. Because in that particular case, again, it's that other word, texture. It's got that it's got that twang to it, and for some reason, that's what draws me in with that particular track. Very often, what I'm talking about is stuff that sounds manufactured. It sounds like it comes straight from a from a drum box. It, or it a lacks player. it lacks that personality, even as as off putting as that El Scorcho personality can be to some people. Um, the final thing I want to cover, which is a lofty 
goal that I we may not be able to accomplish. But I figure since we did a song and another song, let's go a little bigger. If you had to pick a favorite band to rock out to, most of their library you can rock to, who is that band? Steve, go. Ah, oh, come on, you can't do that to me. Oh, it's probably, can, it's probably the Decemberists, anyway. Well, uh, maybe have some rockin' songs. Maybe, maybe Modest Mouse. Ooh, sm- slightly side note for Steve, they just released a new song this I'm week. I'm very aware. They have, <laughs> a, they have a new album coming out very soon. Very aware. Okay. Very aware of all of it. Great. Very he, aware. He, did, he felt he didn't have to bring it up, because he will be bringing it up. Yes. Um, I'm thinking, give me a minute. Okay, I'll start. Um, <laughs> As you do. Well, well, he already chose one out, so he I, should start. Big well, topic. It, it's funny, because... You know, there are a lot of bands that I've rocked out to over the years. Your Disturbs, your Corn, your like really heavy bands, or even heavier than that, System of a Down, Slipknot. But they aren't what I really go to anymore when I want to rock out. Honestly, when I want to rock out now, I go the other way. I go more towards hip hop. When I really want to get into a song and I want a playlist of stuff that just gets me going, I lean more towards that. And and the artist who's really done that for me lately in, in 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 very recent years has been a guest on this podcast Schaefer the Dark Lord when Schaefer the Dark Lord when his songs kick in with a heavy beat like take the opener for example which we featured on this podcast on episode what was this again Schaefer the Dark Lord oh, Schaefer the, oh episode 115 thank you for listening um three weeks ago um when we started the podcast with the opener and it has that boom 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 boom, boom that heavy beat you can't help but rock out of that. And then the, his, his, his rhyming comes in right after that. Like, it's a psych-up on any other level. And his music, 90% of it gets me going. And so if I really want to just rock out or rhyme out, as the case may be, I go to his stuff lately. I, I'm not going to say Weezer. I'm not going to say Green Day or Blink. Because I can't say their whole discography. I mean, Schaefer's discography is also four albums, so it's easier to say it for that. Yeah, the the wow. only band I can actually say would probably be... I wouldn't even count Cage, and Cage is a band that I would actually... It would be really close. Cage the Elephant, who we reviewed, what, episode two? Three? Two. Long, two. long time ago. Episode two. Thank Years. you, happy birthday. They're... There are two albums that they've done, both great rock out albums, but it's still not a go-to band for me. The band I, the guys I'd go to is is the Flowbots. Their their first three albums and Platypus, which doesn't really quite count because it was mostly a solo work before they finished the whole band. I I love all their music. I love every single one of their songs. There's no band. I can truly say that about even like the greats like Beatles or Doors or anything like that. I can't say I love every single song. But Flowbots, I can do that. This is challenging for me. Really challenging. Because a lot of bands, most of the bands I've loved have probably dabbled around various various things. You know, they probably are not pure rock out bands. Except for a couple. And frankly, part of this was the, the origin of this conversation. Which was in line with the our... our last discussion just a week ago on Death From Above 1979. They only have two albums. It's ridiculous. But by virtue of chance and by what they do, I guess that the only one I can think of off the top of my head where their whole discography, two albums, ten years apart, every single track is 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 rockable to me. I will I'm I'm riveted when I'm drawn in by that 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 gritty metallic nature. I want to be in my own my own personal mosh pit. 
it's 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 ridiculous it's 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 hypnotic and by every stretch there are definitely other bands that i love their whole discography but let's face it when you're talking about the decemberists decemberists have a vast discography and i think they're they're really at the top of my charts as far as a a, a pop folk um folk rock you know band that that i i think every single track they do comes across in some manner they have very few uh, very few holes, as far as I'm concerned, but a lot of it is very soothing, kind of, you know, like what we discussed today, lullaby material. Things that, that put me in a zone and kind of put uh, whisk me to sleep or whisk me away. It's not sitting there just thrashing out. The only thing I could think of off the top of my head, really, is just Death Room Above, as far as whole discographies are concerned. Nothing else comes to mind, frankly. All right, well, that... That was fruit, more fruitful than I expected it to be. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be cases where, like, some of their discography, but I haven't listened to the whole discography. You right. know, things like sure. that. Of course. And it's a very loose question. There's no right or wrong answer, yeah. except John, because he's always wrong. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm not. Not in this case. In this I, case, I would stand a, by my statement to a, the end of the world. Here's the thing. If Death Room Above continues making music, because who knows, they could not make one for another ten years, but I guarantee you, if they continue... Their whole discography will probably be like this. It's probably. just it's written into their into their band DNA. I I, oh. I would agree with that, and I I would have no problem with that. I think this is a good place to move on into our wrap up of the show. Um, first, we need a spam email, Steve. Spam of the week. Spam, 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 do spam, 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 that's, spam. That's, that's a different theme. Oh. In spite of the best efforts of the World Bank. The market value of gold, ultimately decided by political figures, will always be intensely influenced by age of warring empire cheats because consistently high-profile inside portfolio of investors. The reason you DW rookies should take a look at empires are plentiful, but primarily because of how easy the game to just pick up and play. Comparing the ideals with the young and with the actuality felt by their elders is a lot like contrasting pre- and write-up war views of... By Age of Warring Empire, Hack 2014. Well, that's pretty phenomenal. Oh, so it wasn't actually about the banks. It was about a game. Yeah, it's just no, something no, no. in that no, sentence. No, I had no idea that Farmville had such a socio-ecological impact upon our society. I mean, my paradigm just freaking shifted. Really? You're, you're not going to analyze the um, the structure of the sentence and, and, and how... And the random know. letters? No, man. <laughs> pay to play, man. Pay to play. John, stop talking. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to pull the podcast back from John. Come and, on, I'm mocking the spam. And talk about what we're think, doing what next does. week. So um, we did our first, not first, but one of our, our more recent guest, uh, not guest, I'm sorry, my brain is not working. Fan. Yes, fan suggestions. We did not last month. Not to be confused month. with spam. Um, we did um, an album by Daryl called Ohio, thanks to Jose Knockjaw. Well, we did also around that same time get a second fan submission through the form of Twitter. So our Twitter uh, handle is at Crash Chords Web, Crash Chords and Web all capitalized, and Heather S on Twitter, whose handle I forgot to write down, and I will make sure I mention on the show when we review the album, suggested an album. And so that album is actually by an artist I've never heard of named Owen Pallett. And his album is called In Conflict, which is a new album. I checked. It's his recent work. Awesome. came out this year. Um, and Heather had suggested us to review that. So we're going to take a look at that. Now, to put 
you in the frame of mind of where Heather comes from. What hooked her onto the podcast was our review of My Brightest Diamond, and she went back and checked out St. Vincent. So that's where she's coming from musically. Episode 111. So I'm assuming it's something in that vein, but I could be wrong. Um, so Heather, thank you for your suggestion. We are going to tackle that next week and bring you uh, maybe not the album review you want, but the album review you deserve. Nice. I like that. I thought you might. That's good. I stole it from Batman, but it works. Uh, you, you stole it from The Dark Knight. True. Don't get those two things confused. My, my heart is broken right now. I just... So much hope for well, you, Matt. So well, on hope. that note, we should take the podcast out on a sad note. Because remember, folks, as always, music is life. And, and life, life is good. good.